Blog Talk Radio. The Net Live is brought to you by the Spire Institute, integrating sports and education, training and learning, performance and competition like no place on earth. SpireInstitute.org. Now, on with the show. It's that time. We have the people. This is Eric from Moana. This is Priscilla Lima. This is Casey Patterson. The story in real time. We're a much better team now than we were then. I'm not looking at just this year. I'm looking at the next four years. You're listening to The Net Line with Barney. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Peter. There's no better angle, for sure, uh, than the one from behind. Reed. All this travel and plane and priorities have been really getting in the way of our relationship. And DJ Ruscha. I have great thighs. It's the Net Live right now. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. welcome. No, 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 boy. Hopefully we don't have that problem this week. Welcome to the Net Live, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Barnett in the home court. Safe shelter here from the wind, like 40-mile-an-hour winds going on in the beach area of Southern California. So don't go out and play any sets today, Jeremy. I had to cancel all my sets. All your sets have been canceled. Jeremy Ruscha here, as usual, holding down the home court with me, and Dustin Aval. Unfortunately, Dustin Aval is still here, and I said to your own bet, unfortunately. I think that's what we just call it now. One day I won't be here anymore. We'll all celebrate. It's kind of like the end of Goodwill Hunting, where every day you, <laughs> right. every day you show up and you knock on the door, and I, I hope for that one day when you're just not there, when nobody comes to the door. That's what I hope. All right, but it's well, reversed. But, hopefully you yeah. don't have to go see about a girl. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> exactly. Welcome to that Live, ladies and gentlemen, on the 8th of April here in 2013, part of our fifth year of broadcasting on this program, and we have put together a good show for you today. Last week, it was national team head coach John Sparaw. This week, we have his assistant coach, Matt Furbringer, current player, although I guess current is a uh, term that won't be used soon to describe Matt Furbringer. He does have some playing we hear, but we'll talk to him about how his schedule and the end of his playing career are going to work with his new job, being assistant coach for John Sparrow there with the U.S. national team. We also have Todd Goronsky going to join us, uh, owner and operator there at Bradford Beach. He has some big plans going on in the Milwaukee area for the sport of volleyball, and we look forward to talking to Todd about that. And, of course, the ABCA College Volleyball Weekly. Can't wait. That's going to be good because it is coming down to playoff time here. There have been some important matches. There have been some not-so-important matches over the last week, but things finally starting to shake out in the world of men's collegiate volleyball. Yeah, they're winding down. I see you have the standings up there in front of you, and, and there are some possibilities left, but some teams have been eliminated, your Trojans being one of them, unfortunately. Yeah, that happened a little while ago. Uh, I think they had to on Thursday. They had to win out. And they was it Thursday? To lose out. Yeah, they no. were still eligible as of Thursday. Okay. Well, I think we knew that it wasn't going to happen before then. But they were the Lions. Yeah. Mathematically alive. Yeah, they were dormy. They, uh, yeah, they they got a good win over Northridge, which is one of those teams that I know you were talking about. Still has a chance in that eighth spot. Northridge and Hawaii are really battling for the for the last spot in the MPSF, and I'm sure that the guys will share with us what's going on in the other side of the country. For the uh, for the final four, for the option to play in the final four here, which is in Southern California, I was talking about it on our broadcast on Saturday Pauly. night. Paulie, the new Paulie, home of DJ Ruscha. Yep. 
will be uh, the Final Four, hosting the Final Four. So back-to-back in L.A. as it was at Galen Center and USC last year. DJ's, DJ Roche's winter home happens to be Staples Center, and it was a big one yesterday over there, I think. Did confetti fly? I heard it was No, kind of, we just... I heard it was understated. We... No championship shirts. We acted like we'd been there before. No champagne. They did have shirts. They did have shirts. But it wasn't they, crazy. Clippers didn't wear it. Chris Paul showed it, like, briefly in the yeah. interview, and that's it. Yeah. Well, but they are going to raise a banner from what I hear. Not a, it's obviously not a player decision. Chris Paul handled it with class and, like you said, acted like you'd been there before. But from what I've heard, they're, they are going to raise a banner. A Pacific Division championship banner. I'm fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Just because the Clippers fans deserve it. Well, and if you don't look at it as an L.A. thing, if you don't look at it as a Laker-Clipper thing, think about how many franchises throughout the nation and the NBA, everybody raises division banners. You know, it's it's just because Correct. it's the Staples Center and the Lakers. Correct. How many other teams share a, an arena, you know? that's It's just one of those things that's just uh, – too bad because, I mean, congratulations. They're going to win, what, 50 games this year? They're going to have a, a winning record on the road. All these firsts for the Clippers, unfortunately, at the hands of our Lakers. I wrote some things down when I first started with the Clippers nine seasons ago of what I would have liked to happen while I was with the Clippers. And getting a banner is one of them. So hopefully that happens. You got the little banner. You'd love a I'll take banner. a little banner. I would you love... Not me personally, but I wanted to be there when the Clippers won the division. Like, do you get a ring? The DJ gets a banner. I'm getting a ring. If we get a ring, I'm getting a ring. You should. You could hang banner banner over every gig that you ever. I would DJ. If just, they gave me a banner, when I you would. go and set up, you can just hang a ba- Pacific Division champs. That I would be great. Don't <laughs> think I would. But congratulations to the Clippers. I should have, and I thought about it yesterday. I would have brought in my Blake Griffin jersey today to show Dustin what he has to wear because we have a little bet. The Lakers do not make the playoffs this season. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the Clippers, let's let's be frank. Their finish, I mean. It's all about the Lakers. Yes, the Lakers must make the playoffs. Yeah. If they do not, Dustin has to wear a yeah. Clippers jersey still for a okay. full day. I still feel okay with it. For a full day. Yeah, I'll go no shirt, too. Just with oh, the guns right hang out? Yeah. yeah, why not? Perfect. Nice. nice, I like that commitment. Speaking of my fatness, I'm looking at Gardhoff's photo. <laughs> Gardhoff's Love the collage. collage. Love the collage. Yeah. Just want to point out to everybody that I'm holding the shirt out. So you can read the shirt. I'm not. That was bugging you a little bit. What technically, little fat Jeremy. That was bugging like you. I do look fat in that photo. I'm not gonna lie. To you. It's not a good angle, but I do look a little chunky in the midsection. But because you can't, you can't even see my hands in the photo, so you can't tell that I'm holding the shirt down. Note yeah. to listeners: Jeremy Roche, not 265 pounds. Correct. <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, I love that whole deal that uh, that Gardoff put together. Pretty funny, and and I actually I noticed the bean made it from Chicago. If you the look bean. The lower left, there is the bean, and I wondered if anybody out there knew the actual name of the piece of modern art Ooh. located in Millennium Park there in Chicago. It's referred to as the bean, but it is not called the bean. It's not its name. What is its actual name? Chatboard, anyone. Uh, they are having their own discussion amongst themselves, and oh. not commenting on anything we're talking about. Right? Yeah, they're talking about. Uh, they're talking what about Stanford. Stanford what? Club. I heard a little subtle remark there. It's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at the MPSF standings here uh, since we were talking about them, and they have an interesting way of indicating certain things have happened. So, if you look at the MPSF standings for volleyball, they have BYU. It actually has. It looks like it says uh, screw BYU or FBYU or crap BYU. I mean, something that you wouldn't want to say, and you would use ampersands and uh, percentage, percentage and the hashtag. 
all they need is a uh, asterisk in there. It would really look yeah, like someone says either that or somebody BYU. or somebody's tweeting and it's hashtag BYU. Right. Because they've clinched so many things and they're definitely the team to beat. They they did lose on uh, Saturday to the Bruins to the Bruins, which I'm sure will come up later. But uh, yeah, they had quite a streak and they've definitely distanced themselves. However, they lost. They lost in three. By the way, if you recall that. That tier conversation that we had, it's definitely, in my opinion, proving itself to be true in the MPSF with uh, BYU and UCI and Long Beach State in that top tier. UCLA, Pep, Cal Baptist right there in the middle, Stanford, UC Santa Barbara, Northridge, and Hawaii trying to battle at the bottom third. I think UCLA at number four is your bracket buster, though. UCLA is playing some good volleyball right now. Long Beach State saw them on Thursday versus SC. They handled them well. 25-17-17-17, all the way across, three sets to none, and a pretty dominating performance. But Long Beach, they seem like a team that's just going to grind you. They're not particularly flashy. No. But, boy, they make a lot of plays. They they block well. They defend well. They transition swing pretty well. They have a nice middle attacker. They did in this in that particular match uh, with uh, Colton Ishave. He was hitting out of the middle. I think he had 1,000 for the match. Nine for nine. Nine for nine. And uh, they just grounded out, but they didn't grind it out where they're winning deuce sets. They grounded out where they're dominating each set. So pretty impressive performance by them. And it's one of those teams I think you look around and go, how are we down so far on the scoreboard here? It didn't feel this bad. Yeah, it didn't look that bad. It just And you look up, and if I recall, I was there, and Jeremy and I were uh, supporting slash heckling Kevin on the <laughs> Pac-12 network. And we would be sitting there, and most of the games were like 5-8 or 5-7 at the beginning of the games, or and then, eight eight at one point, and then you look you look away, and then right back to it, and all of a sudden it's seventeen nine or something like that. You know, Long Beach State really would uh, lengthen their uh, their lead towards through the middle of those games, and that's how they pulled away. But you're absolutely right; you wouldn't have known if you were just look, watching the game and not watching the scoreboard. It wasn't like Long Beach State is this big, uh, you know, bouncing balls over everybody. They just slowly wear you down, and and all of a sudden you lost three games in a row by eight, which is a pretty good beatdown in my mind. Their best player is six feet tall. Yeah, Taylor Crab. Taylor could, Crab, six feet tall, best player in the gym. Yeah, I was talking to uh I was talking to a guy in the in the stands there during the during the game. Taylor's part of that that crab family from the islands out in, in Hawaii and he's kind of the youngest of the whole group. There were a lot of you know, the whole McKibbins, the the Triborn, all the crabs. It's like he was one of the. He was their all their little brother, and they just beat up on him while they were all playing. And they, you know, crushed balls in his face. And hey, coach on wands, and this will be fun, right? <laughs> and now he's just all of a sudden. What do you know? He's the best of all of them. So, yeah, he looked good. Oh, somebody's at your door. Somebody's Kevin. at your door. Yeah, we always got people knocking on the door. It's a popular place, I guess. But we have a show to do. Hopefully, we, one of the trees didn't fall out, fall down on our car. Since uh, we're in the middle of the perfect storm outside, ninety mile an hour winds outside. Yeah, it is a little breezy. All right, now I have a question. False. I've been getting some grief from True. my from my friends for this. The oh, video of the Nebraska cancer patient running uh, a I touchdown. Just, during can I just interject game? and say that the views and opinions of Dustin Avon and DJ Jeremy Rousseau are not reflected in the statement about to be made by Kevin Barnett. Correct. Continue, Kevin. <laughs> Okay, so this kid runs a touchdown in the spring game. He's seven years old, been suffering from, I believe, brain cancer. Brain cancer, seven years old. And he gets to run a touchdown. Awesome piece of video. It's fun. Great thing for him. I guess he befriended some member of the, the running back. The running back just randomly. 
right? Somehow, I think he was just a big a, supporter of the team, and somehow they became friends. He's a huge Husker fan, correct? Yeah, so he gets the out there. Pretty special moment, really, really awesome and, and fun to see. Although somebody pointed out to me, uh, there must be an NCAA violation in there somewhere, yeah, probably. probably. And I'm sure the NCAA will be cracking down. Yeah, they're on it right now. They'll be all over it because anything fun, just not okay. Uh, but my question was, the boy's name is Jack Hoffman. And I said, to him, when somebody sent me the video, which I'd already seen, I sent back, this is a great piece of video, I love it, uh, really neat to see. But my question is, what's up with his parents? Why is his name Jack Hoffman? Like, hey, Ladies and gentlemen, feel free to email your complaints to thenetlive yeah. at gmail.com. No, because <laughs> this, is, this is not right. The boy was born, he's not born with cancer. When he was born... They they looked around the Hoffmans and said, "Yeah, let's name our kid Jack Hoff, man." Let, why <laughs> is that a good idea? You're you're dooming your child from the age from basically fourth grade until the uh, the end of high school, probably the end of college. Uh, you're dooming him to either one suffer horrible self-esteem or two become a stand-up comedian because of all the abuse he suffered. Who names their kid Jack Hoffman? <laughs> the message board is crushing you right now. I, I watched that. This and is I posted, pre-cancer. This happens pre-cancer. I, so it would have been okay to name him that? You're no. If you, I mean, it, yeah, you, no, that's what, I, what I'm should saying. Should I just is, mute Kevin right now? It's not okay to name him that. You cannot name your kid Jack if, you're, if your last name is Hoffman. You can't do it. I watched that. Uh, I watched the piece, and I posted a link to it on the chat board, too, because it's it's – Pretty touching. I'm not a Nebraska Cornhusker fan. I obviously re- respect the uh, the program and the school, but I thought it was amazing that they did that. We're we're all teary eyed watching it. The kid goes handoff from Taylor Martinez goes 69 yards in the last play of the spring scrimmage. And the thing that comes to your mind is his name is Jack Hoffman. No, I'd already seen it. This is the second time I'd seen it. I mean, <laughs> did you see? Did you see? His I don't dad, know. I don't know what to say right now. I have no idea what to say right now. I'm just trying to. I mean, wow! Here's Look, the, here's you one of the are here. I think of it. You are correct. His parents should not have named him. Here's one of the probably shouldn't have named because him that. that didn't even cross my mind at all whatsoever. No, not at all. Not one time for one second. Tom, I was just thinking, wow, that's so great. <laughs> I mean, here's why it sticks with me: Tom Hoff, U.S. Men's National Team player, his wife Sandy, growing up as a young woman, wanted to name a kid Jack. Really liked the name Jack until when she, she married, married Tom. Him, really, yeah. she could that not. was the end of that. So that's why that particular thing sticks with me. The whole idea of naming someone Jack Hoff. Look, I'm gonna share <laughs> my grandfather. You gonna share him? Yes, share him. With all of us. <laughs> His last name is Mann. So my mom and her okay. sister, growing up, were always known as the Mann sisters. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. However, my grandfather's first name, which he is not referred to by, everybody calls him by his middle name. His first name is Harry. That's awesome. You cannot name your child Harry Man. <laughs> That's pretty. You know good. what I'm saying? Yeah. How? What's the what's the actual but last name? He did not run 69 yards for Nebraska, and or has cancer. Yeah. What's the last name? Loved so I can make fun of his yeah. name. Oh, Tim Allen. Yeah, and he's not seven years old. Correct. Yeah. I'm not making fun no, of him. No, Kevin, you are going straight to hell. Just in case you're watching. I'm not making <laughs> fun of him. I'm asking. I'll see you there, but I'm just saying. I'm yeah, asking just... his parents. What were you thinking? Are did you, you see a, the part of the clip? Are you oblivious? Did you see the part of the clip where they interviewed his dad, Andy Hoffman? No, you didn't. See, nothing wrong with Andy Hoffman. No, nothing wrong with it, but you see the you see the man talking and you tearing overcome up. with emotion because the you know, his son just ran a touchdown and now you're now you gotta let him know that he he did a bad job naming his child. <laughs> you can't name your kid Jack off, man. I also 
this is 100% true story because as a doctor that worked with my mom, uh-huh. his last name was Beaver. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> doctor? I worked with your Correct. mom. Correct. Dr. Beaver. Yep. Dr. Beaver, the gynecologist. Yep. Very good. Outstanding. That is 100% true. All right. What's the actual last name of Tim Allen, the comedian? I have no idea. Dick. Is it really? Tim Dick. Hmm. You know what his uncle's name is? Dick. Peter. <laughs> there Peter. are... His actual his uncle's actual first name is Peter, so that is Dick Dick for those of you. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, like okay, I watched Braveheart when I was younger, and and I thought, well, you know, I wouldn't mind naming a if I had a girl. I muted Kevin for a second so nobody can hear him. <laughs> Just you and I. Um, He's getting crushed on the chat. Crushed. It's amazing. Somebody brought up the point that like. The Dan Patrick show up. They had like a penalty. Yeah, box penalty box. Like you'd have to go. No, just so you, nobody can hear you right now, Ben. I just want you to know. I literally have <laughs> muted you. And nobody can hear you. Um, oh, we're gonna try like, to get the show back. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just hoping that Blog Talk Radio doesn't just completely just shut, us shut down, down right, right now, now. Ban us from. I mean, maybe. Well, maybe it would make it's headlines. Gonna, it's going to be all echo for the rest of the show. All yeah. of a sudden. Well, are you ready to talk again? Well, let's bring him back. <laughs> you did. You did. He did ask a question earlier. The, the legit, sculpture. Legit question. The, modern, the bean. The modern art. The bean. Oh, are you ready? Are you going to behave now? <laughs> are you guys not clear? I'm not making fun of the kids. We no, understand we're you're not we're making fun of them. I'm not sure everybody in the chat room <laughs> or all the hate emails you're getting. I am not bit, making fun of the kids. It's a little bit of a. I'm questioning the boys' parents. Uh, yeah. At the moment of the kids' birth. I understand. I understand. <laughs> Apparently, my buddy's listening and texting me. He's like, we've already had this conversation about your grandfather. And oh. then ask me if Dustin is there. <laughs> yeah, I should know your voice. I'm here, Rich. You guys travel in tandem. Yeah, lately. I only see I've got one time. with the other. You are freaking frack right now. Yeah. Well, so is it? Let's it, go back to the bean. What happened about the yeah, bean? Yeah, what happened to the What's bean? What's the name of the bean? Did nobody got it? No. Nobody, it, I don't think anybody we, cared. Then you went to making fun of cancer patients. Yeah. Oh, that was a little God. more uh, polarizing than the name of, great a, of a sculpture. Go. And our audience, great. You can't even ask a question. You're ragging on a kid with cancer. Yeah. That's you, ever heard, you ever heard the statement, too soon? Too soon? <laughs> yeah. Too soon, Kevin. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. He's not dead. Oh. <laughs> that would be too soon. Oh, man. What is the name of the effing bean? Cloudgate. Why is it called that? That's what the guy named it. It was called Cloudgate. The, the, Cloudgate? Uh, the artiste, Cloud. the artiste that the made artiste, the bean. Yes, it's a British artist with a uh, Indian name, I believe. Uh, yeah, Anish Kapoor. What's that? No, Cloudgate. No. No. Oh, obviously Indian descent. If you're British, your name is not Anish Kapoor. You know what that makes me think, Cloudgate? It's like every scandal that you ever have, they always add a gate to the end, like Watergate. It's like when Belichick. Heaven's Gate. When no, <laughs> when Belichick was because was, it was at the Watergate Hotel. Right, but right. when. When uh, Belichick was spying on the other teams, it was Spygate. Right. Like Spygate. everything is. If you remember uh, last year, um, there was a the UCLA BYU match where it went like three days long because the the serve and the out of bounds, and then they pro- protested. It was like serve gate. Like everything's yeah. always a gate. So Cloudgate makes me think it's some sort of like conspiracy involving clouds. <laughs> <laughs> some sort of controversy. Yeah, I don't know what it could be, but. At least we're back. For now. Yeah. All right. Let me cross cross that off, cross that off your yeah. list of yeah, topics to talk Jack about. Yeah. Let's go to another controversial one. Let's just keep it going. Okay. Wait, how about the notion that Brittany Griner would get an NBA tryout and have an opportunity to play in the NBA or could have any remote success in the NBA? What What do you think? Is that even possible? Um, I'm all for her getting not tryout. That it would Why happen, not? But would she have any success? No. Zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah, can we all agree that Brittany Griner would suck? And has nothing to do with 
her not being a good basketball player. No, but this is a t- sure it does. She's not good enough. I'm a not little, to play uh, in the NBA. <laughs> she a, absolutely dominates women's college and will yeah. dominate the WNBA. WNBA. Yeah. Well, she no would doubt. get owned in yeah. the NBA. Yes. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. Strength and size being too. Yeah. Tough. Well, that's what it is. It's not a gender. She issue. is like six eight though, right? I mean, she's tall. Well, she's she's a legit six eight, but I'm. You got to look for what her uh, her weight is. That's the question, and then you have to think about the strength. I mean, just she's too slow. Just her her skill set is is going to be a lot tougher against those guys. She's I mean. six eight, two hundred and eight pounds, and you got to believe that two hundred and eight pounds is not powerful enough to move guys in the low post. LeBron James is six eight, two sixty. Yeah, yeah, he is. Just a beast. Just and and he ran straight into Carlos Boozer two weeks ago, and Boozer didn't move. Yeah, so Bo- I want to see Carlos Boozer and Brittany Griner. That's not going to work out well for Brittany Griner. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let me do what I usually do and try she to bring can, it back to she volleyball. She can throw an overhand right, though. She'll be good with the fighting aspect. Let me, let me try to bring it back to volleyball. They washed that away in the last okay, well, year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, any, any female volleyball player that you've seen throughout the years that you think could compete on the men's side of things whether that's indoor or on the beach because my stance no. and this is not this is not a sexist statement so please don't take it as such they will. but i have yet i know they chatboard crush dustin but i've never seen a, a, a female volleyball player that could compete at the if you took the the best female volleyball player and the best male players that they just don't equate because of size and strength not because of anything else and that's that's what we're getting at here with Brittany Griner. That's why we're bringing it up. Okay, part of and that I'm then. What, what about the best female player and the worst professional player? Like the last guy on the roster. The last guy making a living. It obviously depends on his size, but I still don't. You know, which on, is on, only, an NBA, on an NBA roster? Which for beach volleyball is only eight people now. If you're on an NBA roster. <laughs> what about beach volleyball? If you're on a beach, in like our national team? Na- yeah. Let's say national team. No. Sure. No, they're yeah. still. Good. I don't care if they don't sniff the court in matches. They're yeah. still really good. Right. Yeah. If you've made the team, you're really good. Take Destiny Hooker. Super athlete. Freak athlete. Opposite. Yeah. Couldn't touch the opposite position in the men's game. In any professional league, she would get some kills. What if you? Uh, a few, but I'm saying. You oh no no, would, no no no. She would, you wouldn't no, put no. her on a roster. No, no no. What if you somehow could equal the the net height? Because obviously it's not the, a net height issue. Well, that's what I'm saying. Because obviously that's a that's a Different distinction, right? Because Destiny's touching 11 feet or whatever. B.J. Evans is offended by our conversation. Why? <laughs> no, I'm, I don't know why. This conversation, I think, is fine. Yeah. No, because it, it comes down to not gender, but physical capability. Right. Because there there are lots of males who are six foot eight, 200 pounds, without a ton of quick twitch muscle, that they can't play in the NBA either. Correct. If your knees were fine and you could play basketball, Brittany Griner would dominate you. She would dominate you, Kevin. Yeah, as a as a yeah yeah as an athlete, not as a basketball player. Yeah. Well, because she knows how to play basketball. That's what I'm saying. Like, so it's like not when I, when I go to play yeah, basketball yeah. against somebody who knows how to play basketball, I can't move my body and like all the position. Yeah, she put a drop step on me, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just reading the message yeah. board. Someone, somebody wants us to throw a toaster at you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a great episode, and that's where we're gonna go next, Sean. Actually, since we're already toaster, and, yeah. See, Sean's referring to Saturday Night Live, and you throw a toast toaster at you because you, if you get beat, you're toast. So here, because yeah. <laughs> if you guys watched the, uh, if you watched the Saturday Night Live with Melissa McCarthy, 
And one of the things that they did, the sketch that they did, was the outside the lines. Yes. On the heels. I saw the highlight of this. On the heels of the Mike Rice thing at Rutgers, and she was like way worse than at, right. at middle Delaware State Division Three oh, yeah. or something. And, and yeah. I'm serving dinner to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's <laughs> the bread? bread? Where's the bread? Where's the bread? <laughs> you, and, you eat that. Yeah, yeah. All I saw was the pizza eater one. Oh, yeah, no, the... That's all I saw. Yeah, because you're toast. That's why I threw a toaster at you, because you just got beaten your toast. How, that would be awesome. She's like, she's like, it's not like I was driving a golf cart through practice, and then they go, actually, we have footage of you driving a golf cart through practice. <laughs> You know what was, what was disturbing about that whole thing, or, or I guess, I don't know, disturbing is probably the word, is that normally when you have something like this happen, they show the same highlight in a loop. They show, they show three highlights in a loop, right, yeah. while they're talking. This guy, there was so much footage. Yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> they kept talking. There was new stuff every time a new yeah, clip came on. It was brand new. They were not recycling clips. No, and they had some assistance, and now there's – the athletic director was was fired or resigned had a, had a settlement when resigned or something like that. Let's talk about that because I disagree with that. With what? With what? The athletic so director. No. Because but, but here's why because the athletic director went into the meeting with the the people who were making the decision the, the lawyers stuff. and the president or yeah. whoever was the chancellors whoever it was and he his recommendation was to fire Mike Rice at that time like the, the time that allegedly the was right right allegedly if right. if the facts are true or if what he says is true so he goes in and says. He ought to be fired. The lawyers and the other personnel say we can't do that for whatever reason. He shouldn't be fired. He gets outvoted by the people who are his boss right. that say, no, you can't fire him. So he doesn't fire him. Now this comes up, and they ask him to resign. So wait a minute. That's political. Yeah, because he wanted to fire him. He thought the right idea was to fire him. These people told him. You you shouldn't fire him. You can't fire him. Or he just brought up the option, like, do we fire him? Who knows how it went down? Everybody should be gone. Every single person. Well, he did. Uh, this, this is like Abu Ghraib. The president the, should be gone. This is the prison in Iraq, The AD right? should be gone. Where these soldiers are being told to torture these people. Then the public finds out or whatever. Media finds out that these people are being tortured, and they get rid of the soldiers, but not the people who told the soldiers what to do. Right. Also, to throw another wrinkle into it, I read today that the whistleblower on this yeah. is being investigated the by the FBI yeah. because allegedly when he first the sent the video guy? Yeah. Yeah, the when he first sent the video to the college, he was asking for money or else I'm going to make this public. Oh, Great. Oh, no. Good like idea. Extortion. Yeah. Type extortion thing. attempt. Yep. Good good job. Well, there was a settlement involved. I know that. I know that what happened because so so that leads me to believe that there is some truth to the uh, AD's claim that he recommended firing or or something because otherwise why would the university pay him settlement if, to resign as opposed to you know just fire him as well because because well, he was saying true. it was wrongful wrongful, wrongful termination for exactly whatever reason exactly if that holds true I really have to support the AD because if the AD says I want to fire him and the people who are the guy's boss yeah tell no, him I'm with you, you can't do it. That's on them. Then the AD abs- accidentally sends the video to outside the lines. Right. That's what that's what you do at that Oops. at that point. You leak it. How absurd let me ask you, video, by the way. Well, let me ask you. Obviously, the video is all chopped together. That's not how every <laughs> single practice went. But, yeah, but still. I got asked a lot by like, oh, if I was a player, I would be fighting the coach. But growing up and having coaches as like an authoritative figure, like kids don't. They're taught to be like, you need to listen to your coach. Right. right. Now, right. granted, there's some things that are excessive, but like they're in a position where they're getting paid. Basically, their school is free. If they go to somebody and say, my coach just threw a basketball at my balls, <laughs> speaking of balls, yeah. or at my face, 
and use derogatory terms against me like it's going to be that kid's word against the coach, who do you think the university is going to believe when right. that kid doesn't have a scholarship, loses his basketball career, could take him four or five years to prove that this happened to him? There's all kinds of things that go into it. So who are the people responsible to take care of these kids when something like this is right. happening? A coach cannot throw a basketball at your face. Yeah, and I heard um, – I think I heard one of the kids on – and I call him I call him kids – one of the student athletes that was on uh, maybe Dan Patrick or something. They had one of the guys that played for Mike Rice, and he still was. I would I don't want to say praising him, but he had his back. Yeah, there were a couple of guys like that. There's always guys. There's, there's always still had his back. Always good because that. these kids don't know any different, right? You don't know any different. If this is the first time you've gone to college and played for a college coach, you don't know that that's not how it is. If you grew up in a household where your parents are incredibly abusive and don't pay attention. You don't know because that's all you know. There's there's no reference point. I think the same thing is true for these kids in school. There's no reference point to know how out of whack that whole thing is. Yeah, and Vinny uh, brought up a good point on the chat board. Because we've seen it in some sco- a certain school that's very close to my heart, um, does the NCAA step in with any sort of lack of institutional control type of in- investigation? Because that's kind of like their... Um, are we talking about a certain individual who coached at your school? No. What are we talking about? I'm talking about this with regards to Rutgers. Okay. But because of that, I'm talking about this. Because that has happened with USC and with Auburn and with Ohio State. And they always use lack of institutional control as the blanket statement to sort of, yeah. you know, Penn, or to do something to Penn State too, right? They, they tried to yeah. do that. was just lack of institutional control kind of says we can do whatever we want. And then there's no um, – and then there's no actual – punishment that fits exactly because they just you know it's 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 not one size fits all right i still don't understand how negative reinforcement yelling at your players telling them they're awful is going to motivate them in the long run to be a better team yeah like how like i understand coaches get upset they yell they may grab you and physically move you around the court like i'm okay with that that's fine things happen but them physically hitting you like Kicking you, throwing the balls at you, right, and then yelling at golf you, cart yeah, through. telling you you suck, yeah. It was it was the level of violence, like where the guy's going down the court and he runs up behind him, oh, and jacks him in the back, full on full arm shiver in the back, yeah. And like some I, of the verbal, I, I saw that in fifth grade, like, yeah, I would be turning around and punching somebody in the face. Some of the verbal, some some of the verbal abuse too, and the slurs oh. that are being used, obviously. <laughs> but there are coaches. I mean, there's coaches out there that have been very successful that are. I don't Bobby Knight's a crazy hot Renowned the, for his right word, right? Notorious for their their negative coaching style as opposed to more positive. So. But there's there's a fine line between... How many championships did Bobby Knight win? Three, I think. Okay. There's a fine line between trying to kind of kick somebody, kickstart somebody who's being lazy yeah. and who's not really mentally there, and how you do that with some some level of volume and some level of aggression versus what was going on with this guy. The stuff going on with this guy was so far beyond... Yeah anyone's notion of what you would use to motivate somebody. And when he's getting in there and, like, posting somebody, I mean, yeah, That's he would different. show somebody how to post somebody. Right. But you're not going to whip a basketball at their balls. I mean, you don't have a guy that's dedicated to standing next to you so you have a basketball to whip at somebody and hit him in the head. I don't see Karch in practice just absolutely teeing up on somebody a foot away from them and spiking it in their face to <laughs> yell at them and to motivate them. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't see – I just don't see it happening. You, you, 
stay next to me with this ball because I might need it. Toss it up, and I'm just going to unleash oh, on a person two feet away from me in the yeah. back of the head with this volleyball. All right, we're going to unleash the rest of this show on you after the break here. We'll have Todd Goronsky from Bradford Beach. He's going to join us. He's already on the line. We'll bring him in. also have Matt Furbringer coming up as well as uh, any other offensive things I can come up with to say. Then that line <laughs> Is that who it is? Yeah. Occasionally, I surprise you. I thought it might be Imagine Dragons. Close. I would definitely know if it was Imagine Dragons. Remember, remember on Thursday when Dustin and I saw you and they were playing a Stevie Wonder song? Let me song cross this one off. And I asked you <laughs> well, who, is it, who it was. It was. And I remember I what know. asinine answer you came up with. But I your know. answer should always be, from now on, Stevie Wonder. Regardless who it is. Even That's if true. you know, you just said Stevie Wonder to that song. I like how you chastise me that whenever you ask me who <sighs> is this, I say, who is it? And I'm hoping that one day there's a band called Who Is It, so I'm actually right. Yeah, who's on first step thing? The best part was yeah. you text me like 12 hours later. I did. CB Wonder. Too and late, too the, late, Kevin. The worst part is I had to look it up. Of course you did. And it wasn't. It was superstition. You should know that song. Is it superstitious? Not superstition. Oh, now oh, I'm, now I'm confused. Oh, oh wait a minute. <laughs> no. I might have a little half point to go against my negative five. Is this your one thing you're going to get over on me? Yeah. Congratulations. All right, let's bring in our first guest. I don't like you. <laughs> superstition. Suck it. It's called superstition? Yep. Okay, fine. Don't ever question fine. me again. Ever. There we go. There it is. There's the music I've been waiting for. I carry on an email conversation regularly with this man. There's lots of opinions in the world of volleyball because he's been running a bunch of different parts of volleyball. He's responsible for running Bradford Beach. Up there in Milwaukee, they've had the Barefoot Wine Tour. They've had, I think, AVP events. They've had all kind of events going on at Bradford Beach, in addition to a bunch of other regular programming in a place that's cold and snowy five months of the year. I know there were 10 inches of snow on the ground last week when I was up that way. And Marquette University put together a sweet video out at Bradford Beach of their new beach team they're going to hold with a lot of Gore-Tex. 
But he's now branching out into a whole new area, looking to put together a facility with indoor and beach up in the Milwaukee area and grow the game. Welcome to the Net Live, Todd Goronsky. Todd. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. Now, Todd, I was looking up your uh, your LinkedIn profile here, and I don't see Bradford Uh-oh. Beach on here anywhere. <laughs> Probably found my other life. <laughs> yeah, you're a of, national uh, account executive for Randell Corporation. What on earth yeah. is that? Uh, we are a high-quality fashion and retail catalog printing company. Um, we print all the catalogs for Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, Saks, Pier 1, which is my biggest client. Um, so we, yeah, we're we're a big big provider in that world, and it's kind of a interesting combination that I can take some of my experience from there, apply it into the volleyball world, and okay. uh, teaches me a lot about database management and all the different so things we can do to communicate. If I heard you correctly, you're responsible for all the junk mail I get. <laughs> well, in, in, in the eyes of a man, yes. In the eyes of a woman, it's it's pure gold. I think I just threw away three catalogs yesterday. Uh, Okay, so Todd, you are right now working on, or you've been at Bradford Beach for a long time, but you are now working on developing a new volleyball facility in the Milwaukee area. And I thought it was interesting, you sent me an article from the, uh, what is this, uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, local newspaper there, Mm -hmm. about the reaction of one of the, the uh, officials responsible, the Department of City Development, yep. Rocky Marku. But can we talk about the fact that his name's Rocky, first of all? Uh, yeah, but you and names. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> just the way my mind goes, dude. It's just the way it works here. But it, they seem to give you a very uh, cool reaction to your plans. How are you going to handle that? And Well, first of all, detail what your plans are for our listeners. Uh, I wanted to let Barney know that we just signed a long-term agreement to have Smoothie King inside the building. <laughs> 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 I will not so be anyway, Brad for Beach. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Um, the, uh, okay, so we started working on this idea. I mean, I did uh, some years ago. Uh, we've been hosting indoor sand events for the last 12 years consecutively, 13 years consecutively, but even goes back into the early 90s. And there really is a shortage of quality space. That's the biggest thing is uh, the experience of coming into a volleyball event, in my eyes, could be a lot better. And so we've been doing a lot of those things at Bradford Beach, but obviously, as you know, like a day like today, it's like sleeting out in 30 degrees. You know, we got a short yeah. window. So we want to do this year-round. I don't think I'm telling anybody anything that the, uh, uh, the growth of youth volleyball is just skyrocketing. We're in a, a very, very good area for youth volleyball. So we want to create a facility that will house the entire experience. And what I mean by that, it's not just going to be a field house. So we're going to have 900 courts that will be flexible space that we'll be able to create a 2,000-seat stadium or stadium court in the middle um, and three indoor sand courts. But in addition to that, we will have two restaurants, one that will mezzanine the entire field house, uh, we'll also have sports and athletic therapy and training, which I'm a, a massive supporter of, uh, full-blown retail, uh, massage, and even it'll go as far as uh, being able to do pedicures and manicures and things like that. So it's going to cater to lifestyle. It's going to cater to people looking for more services than just sitting on a steel folding chair at a junior volleyball tournament. Um, there's just going to be This is going to be a destination facility just like we thought of Bradford Beach. 
Man, I think the parents are excited about that because it is a brutal life if you're the parent of a club athlete right now to be sitting in the bleachers yeah, yeah. for six or seven hours. I I was just at an event a lot over the last two different weekends where there were roughly 250 junior teams per weekend, roughly 7,000 people per day inside the inside the venue. And I think of all the parents and and our uh, and I have a very good relationship with our USA Volleyball region. Um, the idea of creating a quality space that has additional services is been really, really well received. So um, to answer your question about the city, uh, we've had tremendous support from the, the local aldermen, actually all the aldermen and the common council. Uh, the, the gentleman that you quote, he is responsible for city development, but he does not ultimately have anything to say in terms of the way of the vote issuing permits, anything like that. So we have the support of the Common Council in Milwaukee. We have the support of the aldermen. We had a public hearing last week where we began to show what our plans are. We have to come back uh, with another public hearing maybe in about two weeks. And uh, we're assuming things will go continue to go well and we'll be able to get going on this project as soon as that's done. How have you been able to put together the financial support necessary for this project? And if you don't mind sharing with our audience, what's the estimate to put together something like this? Um, I'm very fortunate to have a, a, a partner, um, a private developer in Milwaukee, who's a very uh, well-resourced individual. His name's Mike Pulaski. He owns, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood, around 50 or 60 different companies. And, and he owns everything from a national insurance company He's a horse breeder, so he has horse farms in Florida, Kentucky, Wisconsin, owns a series of restaurants um, that bear Ryan Braun and Aaron Rodgers' uh, name, uh, among many others. So he, he's a, he looks for opportunities. He loves sports. He's involved with me at Bradford Beach, and this would be a 100% privately financed project. Um, the, uh, the idea of what the costs are of the facility um, it's it's kind of tough right now because we know what it's going to cost us to build the building, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of three to four million dollars. What goes right. into the building could be another three to four million. And um, it's I mean he builds big projects. This is not something that's outside of his capability or our resources to fill it. Todd, this is Dustin. I uh, hey, I'm at, how you doing? I'm great. Good. I imagine that guy you were referring to, your partner, is the same guy uh, with the connections who's done a lot of catering and, and restaurant, um, you know, features featured at Bradford Beach in the past. Are those going to be some of the potential spots filled in the retail section of the new uh, the new building? Yeah. Ironically, we have all the spaces. Uh, we have um, basically indicated who is going to interested in subletting those there are most of them are already our sponsors um, so they would have a space to come in and the great combination of it I mean I think anyone that's been in a a true sports training facility understands this is that your field space your training space your nutrition space all kind of coexist and we want to do that for the young athletes because I, I honestly got, I see too many kids that get, go through the meat grinder and knees and shoulders and ankles are all messed up. And, you know, by the time the summer comes around, they're so beat from playing volleyball. It's kind of lost on them to even think about beach. So I want to try and change that mentality. 
think the parents are interested in that because I watching girls play on the sport court flooring and and seeing what happens to them is, is something I'm concerned with. I think with not only me but a lot of people. But yes, my business partner that has the food and beverage and all that catering you saw at the Cuervo event last year, we look I we look to raise the bar of the experience significantly. And it's not to downplay anyone that has a facility in Milwaukee or anywhere else. It's really what we want. And as someone, you know, first as a player and now as a promoter and now as essentially a business owner, I want to provide the best experience possible for the customers we have. So that's how we're going to plan on doing it. I, uh, I'd imagine that there's, you know, a little bit of lead time. As you said, not everything is finalized. And, of course, the building. So what do you have planned for this summer at the current Bradford Beach location, is is everything still uh, kind of the same as it was over the past few summers, or does that change because of the focus on the new facility? Uh, nope, nothing changes. The only thing is we don't have uh, a true pro date, um, which <laughs> the idea of Barney and I going back and forth and putting the you know the uh, you know the imaginary quotation marks of a what is pro beach volleyball right now. I don't even know. Um, I think it starts with a person's W-2. I like to start with their W-2, and if it's 100% volleyball, then you're a pro. If it's not, then you're not. So, anyway. Um, it's 1099. Right, 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 private contractor, right, right, right. So, anyway, the, uh, um, the we are hosting the U.S. Junior National Championships again, July 26th through the 28th. Uh, we're going to be hosting our Bradford Beach Volleyball Series, which is associated with Volley America. Uh, we intend to do some more creative events uh, at Calcutta. We're doing a dinosaur doubles tournament. But one of the things that I, I kind of goes in step with what we've learned over the last several years with IMG and, and when I was doing some of the other, I guess, so-called pro events, is that I didn't own the event. So I was always at the mercy of somebody else making decisions, which I'm not always a huge fan of. Um, if IMG is still on board and doing events around the country, I'm all in. That's a first-class organization, and I'll do everything I can to support them. There's some opportunities with USA Volleyball, I think, that could be coming down the road here that will always keep the door open there. But in my opinion, for this year, we'll probably do what you would consider to be more of a grassroots schedule. But for summer 2014, we will be developing our own, I'm not calling it professional, I don't even know what I'll call it yet, but it's going to be an event kind of like the way the mother mode exists where it's going to be on one weekend, it's going to be that weekend every year, it's going to offer prize money, it's going to be done the right way, and we're going to own it. And whatever happens outside of Bradford Beach, whether it's AVP, IMG, USA, this or that, they can choose to join on and we'll always evaluate that, but we're going to just go forward with our own deal. We're going to open it up to everybody. If you're a pro, still Sean-level player, if you're just a weekend warrior, you're going to have an opportunity to go for the cash. So that's what we're planning on doing for next summer. We've got Todd Garonsky here on the net live, and don't adjust your radio dials. That is an accent. He's from Milwaukee. It's in Gonkong Fort, the good land. And, Todd, I've been lucky enough to spend that last – tournament with you and uh when we were uh when we were a bit parched we were thankful enough that there was somebody in a tent over next to us and the local bars there to bring by a couple of those Cuervo margaritas but um for those of the for those of the listeners and the fans that haven't been able to experience Bradford Beach maybe you can tell a little bit more about what goes on there 
as opposed to just the beach volleyball and the volleyball tournaments that you're promoting? We have um, a very unique opportunity to be a private leaseholder of a public beach. And I, you know, there's resorts and things around the country that have food and beverage and activities, but in a public setting, imagining like you could take Sharky's and put it right in the middle of Hermosa, or you could take some other bar and it'd be like right on the sand next to the courts. So we have essentially a full food and beverage operation, three tiki bars. We have a private rental area for cabanas and other services. I'm a big fan of lifestyle activities, so we do things with yoga. We do CrossFit. Um, I have an international strongman event where we – I mean, I'm, I'm actually at the gym where our, one of the top pro heavyweight trainers uh, is a, works, he's a trainer for our uh, facility. So I, we bring in guys from Iceland and Bulgaria, Russia, all over the United States. And then I'm actually, we're doing a pro wrestling event this year. And wow. um, it's old school pro wrestling, right, right down on the beach, right in between the beach house and the tiki bar. Um, we try and keep it very accessible. We want people to be proud of the beach, we want them to be able to, you know, to, to feel like they've got a little bit of ownership in it. And uh, so it's really changed the way people lead their lives in Milwaukee, and we're always very welcome to all the, the folks that come and visit us. They, I mean, they literally come from everywhere now, so it's pretty cool. Todd, I wonder how the pro situation uh, for beach affects your juniors programming and juniors beach volleyball interest or just the general public interest. Are the two at all related? Um, well, I'd like to think that there's a pipeline, and it would be helpful if there was a little nugget at the end of the pipeline right now that would be a professional tour, but we all know that that's not realistic today. Maybe it will be in the future, but um, we start, we have a we have a full-blown junior program that will eventually turn into a regular club, um, so we're doing an elite-level beach program where I have certified coaches, and then we have an intro-level we're still, I got to tell you, we, we really haven't had the support of the collegiate community in Wisconsin yet. Uh, we're going to keep working on it until it happens, but we do have a very dedicated collegiate community for four-year programs and clubs that we want to do more programming with. And then, of course, we have all our adult-type programming. But I, outside of some sponsor issues, maybe that be that are happening kind of behind the scenes right now, I think the big thing is I want to give people a picture of what beach volleyball is and do it the right way. So if you're 12 years old and totally impressionable and want to play, we want to make sure that they feel comfortable. And if you're an adult weekend warrior that, you know, just makes it a cool spot to hang out, we have programming for them too. So uh, I wish I wish there was a pro tour that existed like the way it was where you had 18 stops and it became, a, a you know, really a big deal. And I hope it comes back. I really do. So Bradford Beach is kind of ready to go when that day comes. And, and that's why I, literally I'm building my own event because we know it's successful. Dustin, you were there. I mean, people come and watch. And, and we can communicate and get it promoted right. And it's just sad that I can't have that one anchor every year to rely on. Why is it that volleyball has been successful in the Midwest? I mean, when I was growing up in the early 90s, when I was coming through, they actually instituted it as a sport in Illinois there in the Chicago area. It was the first time, but it has grown immensely. And whether it's North Shore or your facility or some of the yeah. junior programs I hear about in the the Wisconsin area, not just the Milwaukee area, but the whole Wisconsin area, it seems like volleyball is very vibrant and alive 
for both boys and girls and then also men and women. Why is that in that particular space? Well, they have um, – there's boys volleyball at the, the boys level. Well, there's high school volleyball for boys and girls. Um, so I can't quote how many boys high school teams are, but every year there's teams adding, and it's got to be – there's probably, I'm going to say, 40 to 50 high schools now that have uh, boys volleyball along with girls volleyball. Our, our USA Volleyball region is very, very well run. The Badger, um, the Badger region. And and uh, the tournament director there, Terry Paulson, uh, there's been a little transition with who the – the chairperson is, or the you know the the administrator of it, but um, there's always been great programming. So at the junior level, like what I just came from, when there's a 34 court indoor convention center that's filled for two different weekends, you know um, there's a ton of talent. Jeremy Dano uh, is from actually graduated from my high school. I, I know his mom and dad. Great player. There's been a long history of great high school players come out of uh, Wisconsin. Uh, I, I still talk to Tom Sorensen probably a couple times a week. He lives right by me. Um, so there's just a there's just a lot of volleyball history, a lot of great players, a lot of great administrators and organizers. Uh, West Dallas Lightning has had a great boys volleyball program. Of course, Milwaukee Sting with the girls. Um, my friend that coaches at Marquette High School, Eric Sullivan, who's going to be leading our, our junior beach program, has a tremendous boys' high school program. So there's a lot of opportunity right here. Now, why is it here and not in other states? I don't know. I mean, that Illinois has got obviously a massive junior region, too, and there's a lot coming on there. I know Minneapolis has really developed quite a bit, and you can see it with the players that uh, play in our, our beach tournaments. You come to one of my, my indoor grassroots or any of our beach indoor tournaments we have in the summer as well. I mean, there's probably seven or eight teams where one guy on the team's like six eight or six six eight to six ten. So you see these huge kids that are starting to play and it's great. I just wish that there was like that that final step in the process where they could play professionally indoor or they could play professionally on the beach somewhere here in the United States. Yeah, don't leave Greg Romano off that list. Greg Romano, a longtime member of the national team out of the uh, yeah. racing area, so we can't leave him out. No, no hey. Greg Romano, Todd Reimer. Todd uh, Reimer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played a lot of beach tournaments with Todd, um, and there's several others. I mean, Jeff Nygaard's from Madison, yeah, obviously. Madison, right? Yep. Yeah, Kevin. I mean, you're right from down the road in Chicago, and and I mean, you know, Jeremy Dano is a tremendous talent to come out of our area, um, and I, I really hope that he continues to do well you know, and can play some, you know, internationally. But there's, you know, there's also a lot of men's programs. You know, there's Loyola, there's Lewis, uh, Ball State, Ohio State. There's the Wisconsin Volleyball Conference, which is all the club teams. It's huge, just huge up here. So there's a lot of opportunity. All right, before we let you go here, Todd, when do you think if things go your way, if everything breaks your way, when do you think this facility would be open? What's the plan? Our plan is to be open this fall. Ironically, it doesn't take that long to build the building. The permitting might take a little time, but we do have support from the Common Council to get that done. Um, I think within the next... Fall of 13? Say again, yeah, fall 13. Wow. We, we think the field house, the field house part, ironically, is not that difficult. All the extra pieces with restaurants and things of that nature, you have... Um, 
quite a bit more involved there. But my, my business partner is a very smart, very resourceful person that has built these type of buildings. He, he builds these for horse shows. So it's not a it's not lost on him how to put this together quickly. I think the biggest issue is is that we're building this in what is kind of a residential area, so you do have a lot of uh, commentary on what it's got to look like and traffic and everything else, but I expect we'll get through that and we'll have a good new facility for people to come in and play and have fun. All right, you can build the Wrigley Field of volleyball right there in the middle of a neighborhood and have it just kind of hey. That would be awesome. The Brewers are playing there. They're supposed to be playing there right now, and it's like 35 and raining out. And all huh. I hear today is about how horrible. Because in Milwaukee, we have no parks, so there's a roof. But it's kind of funny how this comes up every year with how in, inefficient or insufficient that Wrigley Field has become. And it's just today's the day, you know, that, that everyone's like, God, we need a new stadium. So we played at Miller Park again. Yeah, we'll have to to tune that in. I'll be in Minneapolis this next weekend, so I'll get a taste of it. I just wonder, Todd, how I can schedule a volleyball trip and also a uh, late model dirt racing trip. Oh, all yeah. same deal. Drink. Oh, man, that would be great. I I mean, I, I, a lot of my, I have to say a lot of my ideas come from when I was doing things in auto racing, and there are some really, really good people that know how to, I mean, you're in Supercross, which is like the like marketing lives and breathes in that space probably as well as anywhere right now. And, um, you know, I mean, I think volleyball could learn a lot from how those type of promoters do things. So, granted, it's super cross. It's not, you know, volleyball's got nothing on it, but you can learn about other types of marketing that work. And I, I think, you know what, I don't think of anything as what we can't do. I'd just like to figure out how to get it done. Awesome. We'll end it right there. Todd, thanks very much for spending time with us here on the show. Great luck, and we hope that you're open in 13, and we look forward to coming out and visiting your new facility as well as Bradford Beach. Yep, awesome, guys. Thanks for having me on again, and uh, let's just keep moving volleyball forward, huh? All right, Todd Goronsky, Bradford Beach, and uh, soon-to-be owner of a giant indoor and beach facility. Good stuff there from Todd. You know what I like about what I heard and a lot of what he said, besides, of course, the Supercross stuff? Drink. Is, and then he brought it up. I didn't bring it up. Drink. Uh, is that you hear uh, his thought process. He thinks of the state of beach volleyball as an opportunity, not as uh, perhaps the the cemetery that some folks are taking the view of it as, or, or it sometimes sounds like it is, but he thinks it's an opportunity for him to develop something uh, of his own and, and thinking about just one event, but that's a start. If you have five of Todd across the United States putting together one-off events, all of a sudden, that's looking a lot better. For sure. What Todd has that everybody else doesn't have is he has a set facility already. True. That's a big thing. And a reputation. And a reputation. And he has things around his facility that people are buying. There's a couple of guys like that, though. Yeah. The other thing. You need alcohol. I'm sorry. You need alcohol in restaurants to support the volleyball. You, that's where the sell's got to be, right? That's where you got to make some money because it's not in gear. What? Do we sell gear? <laughs> there's no gear. No, Todd's a great guy. Obviously, that t-shirt's still available. Yeah, there's like five left though. Actually, <laughs> um, Todd's a great guy. Got they have a great support system over there, and like Dustin said, his reputation. Like he likes the sport. People know when they get into business with him what they're getting because he wants to move the sport forward. 
He's not doing it just to be like, oh, I'm going to make money and then I'm going to get out. You know how uh, you'll be in the in the booth or in the condo at the AVP or yeah. whatever beach events you want to call it, and people come up and are like, oh, I know Kevin, I know Jeremy, whatever, right? And they're trying to get through. You don't know how many people in Milwaukee at Bradford Beach say, I know Todd. And yeah. everybody knows Todd. Everybody who was I know there. Todd. And I'm, every, every time somebody said that, I was like, everybody here knows Todd. You can't just say that and it's going to get you anywhere. Yeah. Everybody, Personal friend of Todd. Everybody yeah. knows him. Yep. Do you have to carry a card like that? You know what he? Yeah, exactly. The, the opportunity, though, it's it's just one of those entrepreneurial things, right? Some people see things go south and they think, oh, we're we're crushed, we have we're done. But then other people, like Todd, see opportunity when things are going poorly. So right. when there's blood in the streets, buy. Exactly. Yeah, right. Well, yep. when people want to play volley year round, and you can't play outside year round. Newsflash: Places live in Southern California. Yeah, yeah. it's still 33 and sleeting. Yeah, except for today when we have. <laughs> 50 mile an hour winds. You can't yeah, play. You can't right. play it out. One day a year we can't play. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, one thing that I liked that he talked about and I've been thinking about, and I'd love to discuss with Furby actually when we have him on is for biscuit. Is if the game grows on the beach, but we don't have a pro tour, is that bad? I mean, we're growing. No, in, it's not bad. We're growing in, in NCAA, right? They're they're adding programs thanks to Title Nine. They're adding programs for. Uh, for a lot of the the women's beach volleyball, I know Pepperdine's been dominating that, but I keep hearing about another school that that adds another program, and and now we're getting this opportunity in Bradford Beach or in Milwaukee. Like, so maybe we just keep growing that segment of the game and the pro thing. We'll see. See, I think they're two different pieces, and that's why I asked them that. But I think they're two completely separate different pieces because we've seen growth tremendously, especially on the women's side of NCAA. Of course, we've seen huge growth in the grassroots. And I think you'd see the same with men if the scholarship opportunity was there and so on as an incentive. Yeah. And I think that was kind of Todd's point is if you have the pro incentive, you would see even more growth. But I think that grassroots growth can occur based on the appeal of the sport and the, com- the communities contained inside of the grassroots side of things, whether that means adult programming, juniors programming, uh, or recreational, whatever it may be. You can have that growth without the pro side of things. You don't have to have the pro side of things because that's what we have on the indoor side right now. We have no pro leagues for men or women, Correct. but we still have huge growth in the sport. Right. And you're still going to see that, I think, for beach because let's be honest about the sport of beach volleyball. It's not great on TV. It's tough to make money at professionally, but it is a boatload of fun to go down to the beach with your friends and play. Mm-hmm. And it's very accessible because of the lack of uh, you know, cost to entry uh-huh. to new people, also known as no cost. Yeah, but it, but that makes it attractive to people to come and try it and get brought into the community and be a part of it and play and enjoy the sport. You just got to figure out a way to get them to spectate. That's a whole different problem. But I think beach volleyball itself, as a activity, as a again lifestyle, hugely attractive for sure. But I'll go back to it again. The lifestyle that they were trying to sell on the beach for the tours is dead. You can't right, sell the li- you can't sell the oh, lifestyle. Oh, I'm with you 100. Yeah, yeah you, you can't sell lifestyle. You got to you got to actually have dollars because it used to be that marketers would pay because they thought that that lifestyle would turn into money, but they couldn't exactly track it. Well, people can track stuff a lot better nowadays, and there's a lot more avenues available to them. So you have to show an ROI, return on investment. Hmm. That's hmm. a problem everywhere. Dropping knowledge, and it's a huge problem for a sport that doesn't have true numbers of of like dollar figures. <laughs> There's no dollar figures in the thing. Again. Nah, no, I don't, I don't No, we don't want to do, we don't myself. go off into that way, but we, we always do. We, we know that well. those are the problems. I have a question about uh, loosely related to beach volleyball. If I go to Vaughn's right now, 
the store here? Will I find Cuervo? Is it still on the shelves? This is a test. Well, they lost their distribution. I thought it was they were losing distribution. Is it gone already? I thought it was going in like early summer. That's a good question. I don't I go mean, to the grocery store, so I don't know. Yeah, look at Vons.com. See if you can order some Cuervo. I mean, they still have to have product in the United States and would want to sell it off, I would assume. It's yeah. amazing to me that we're even thinking that a brand like that could go away. This is a huge, huge brand. Yeah. Well. See if you can get some 1800. Can't can't distribute it if uh, nobody's there to distribute it for you. And maybe if they do, it's the uh, you know whatever whatever's left over. They're just selling out as they get it. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's, it's an iconic brand, or it was, I guess, right? Right. I mean, you thought of tequila, you thought of Jose Cuervo for a long time, right? For sure, absolutely. Even if you drank something else, I mean, now Patron is taking over. Somebody tell me who owns Patron. Somebody odd has a stake in Patron. Is it one of the music artists? I don't know. Why are you looking at me? Yeah, well, because you're a music guy. <laughs> so I should know everything. You're a music uh, artist. I, should, I am a music artist. Thank you for pointing that out. Mm-hmm. You musically direct. In completely unrelated volleyball news, I will be jetpacking in Newport tomorrow. You're going to be freezing. Uh, the water's a little chilly, but I will be water jetpacking. That should be going on in Milwaukee. I'm sure it does. I hope there are 90-mile-an-hour winds like there is today, and it just takes you just like you are just gone. Up in the air. And yeah, just gone. On the beach. Yeah. Great. Are you doing this solo? Like Just me. Like, cause we, we, you, you bought know, a Groupon. I bought it from my wife, actually. Because <laughs> she's, oh, I want to try it. Happy so birthday to you. I'm going to get a group on. I'm going to get it. Yeah. And now she can't because she's had jobs. She can't wait during the week. And uh, they don't do it again. Well, not the weekends, unfortunately. Yeah. It sucks. So it's coming down to the line like it's going to expire. So I just fine. I'll go schedule it. But I have nobody to go with me. It's just me. And I was thinking the other day when I got the reminder that I'm going, like, that's kind of lame. I'm just going by myself down to Newport, jetpack, and come home. True. But you know what, Kevin? fun. You enjoy it. You enjoy the experience. And don't worry about it that you're – ooh, I almost crushed you. Don't worry about that you're going by yourself. Just go have fun. This is the problem. Yeah, I it looks cool. I'm worried that you're going to hurt yourself. I need other announcer friends because you all are free on the weekends, and I'm not free on the weekends. I, I don't know. What get you, me I don't more. Know what you, just, don't know what you mean that I'm free on the weekends. Well, Kevin, Jeremy, get me broadcasting jobs so that I can pay bills broadcasting. So we can hang out. And then I'll hang out. I'll go watch you shoot yourself up in the air and water <laughs> with a water <laughs> rocket or whatever you call this thing, and we'll do it. You stole yourself a Pac-12 mic flag, so you have Pac-12. Yeah, you know, people leave things around. And stole it. You, just, you know, you, you capitalize. That's what you do. Because how good on, on the reel is it going to look when I have a Pac-12 mic flag? You, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You got the good reel material going now. You're you're on your way, buddy. Yeah. You just got to focus in on that if, you, if, that, if that's what you want to do. I mean, it's just anybody out there, you'd think that somebody would have written in already and say, God, I really want to hire Dustin. From the net live because we got to have you do more introductions. It entertains me. I just want to hang out with that guy. Yeah, exactly. Um, update on the Cuervo distribution. Okay. I posted a couple of blurbs and an article. Diageo, which is the distributor, distributor, did not renew the distribution contract, so it's good still through the 30th of June. June. That's what I thought. The end okay. of June. And then no more Cuervo. Yeah, and then no, ma- no more. No more. And uh, that one labeled tequila. Yeah, I mean, there's lots. There's salsa. There's so Don, everybody Don who, Julio. There's Herradura. There's El Himador. I mean, come on. Is everybody who works for be dry. everybody who worked for Cuervo just looking for jobs right now? Maybe that's why you can't find a job. They're looking for jobs. They're all looking for jobs. They probably right? work for Diageo. Well, Cuervo had to have some people that work for yeah, them. Yeah, right? absolutely. I guess so. Family-owned business. Yeah. Senora, Senorita Cuervo. Awesome. What yeah. else? El Jefe de Cuervo? Yeah, yo soy El Jefe de Cuervo. What else do you have? Maybe that's what I'll do. 
Maybe I will task myself with bringing Cuervo back to the United States. There you go. De nada, there America. You Get yourself a big van. Los Estados Unidos. Yo soy Dustin. All you have to do is find somebody to distribute it for you, right? Yeah, that's that. That's all. No Distribute it from my garage. Yeah. You Come can, on by. You can use my Volvo. <laughs> Perfect. Drive it around. This, yeah, this dog can hunt. Get a wrap. It's only a thousand bucks. There you go. Oh my gosh, you're all set. All set. What else is going on? A homeless guy knocked on the window while we were. Yeah. This guy. Seriously? One of Kevin's buddies cruises up in his hoodie and like he's very tan. Very tan. He has like seven teeth. And he's knocking on the window while we're talking to Todd Gransky. And I look over and like, oh, Kevin, there's just some guy in your yard. What's up, cool. bro? Was it Ack? He just waves. <laughs> he, just, he just waves. He's a little bit smaller than Ack. Yeah, a little shorter. Yeah, How just, big was his mouth? Was it? Just waves, and I just wave back. and That was it. That was pretty much it. Hey, man, thanks for listening to the show. Like we have speakers outside for yeah. all our fans to yeah. listen to us. We should. We should have like a live broadcast going outside right well, now. We should feed it into the house system. Yeah, yeah. closed circuit or something. That would be awesome. No, be that great. was that was uh, my wife's Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom's a little crazy. We are going to get super, more hate mail today. <laughs> super <laughs> yeah. nice. Now look at you going somewhere. The net live at gmail.com. <laughs> Feel free to direct all hate correspondence there. Yeah, that was, uh, that was Uncle Tom. Kevin. Something else. He uh, He's a great guy, but he does look like a homeless person. <laughs> By the way, I just I noticed Dustin right has a V-neck hoodie sweatshirt. How do you rock that? You are... You are fashionable, my friend. This is from Alternative Apparel. I had one of those. Yeah. Bala, too small. Bala Clothing has a hoodie similar to that. Yeah. Bala they're made clothing. by Alternative. Probably also makes, what do you small. call this, like a blank? They just make the, the garment and then they Correct. People will uh, yep. go ahead and silk screen. Yeah, this is what I'm rocking today. Got the good uh, Nike t-shirt, though, underneath. Claiming Hayward Field Olympic Trials in 72. Eugene. RT, you were there. Kevin and I wearing the same shirt today. Yeah. That live t-shirt. Still available. A couple available. Few side, only gray is left. Um, all the blue are gone. All blue are gone. Right on. I think there's a couple large and mediums. There's not a whole lot of stock left. But they no are XLs? Definitely no XLs. No double XLs, no triple XLs, no extra, extra smalls, no mediums for you. All right, so i got to get on Smack Sports where I owe them a, a proposal. Hey, Kevin. I thought you uh, met with them. Stuff. I did. I did. I just i got to put it together. Do I need to do more stuff for the show? I don't do enough already? Yeah. What do you need me to do? I like your bomb hat. It's Thanks. Cool. The hundreds. The hundreds, actually. Shoes. You like What's shoes. The shoes. You You're like not, shoes. I should have ordered that day mm-hmm. because freaking Creative Recreation now. Hold up. Everything's out of stock. Yep. Plus, stuff was on sale. Because I they're got their the new button. product coming in. Yeah, summer. Well, because my, my issue was that I didn't know do they run small or big. Because nowadays, depending upon the shoe, I wear a 14 or a 15. There's no half size. So I was going to call them, and I didn't get to it. And then I finally, I'm like looking. And great, they're all gone. So I screwed myself on that deal. It's also known as white people problems. The Hundreds has a shop in Santa Monica. What is the Hundreds? It's that's a brand. Yeah. Kevin, now, Kevin, Bob brand. Kevin. It, it looks like Super Mario Brothers. Kevin's not going up. It does. Where the Hundreds? I know. Kevin, what's yeah. going on with the men's national team? Do we have a second assistant yet? I have not heard of a second assistant. At all? You don't know rumors that you're even going to? I have not leak? gotten rumors this week. No. Because the, uh, the the chatboard the chatboard has some rumors. Who are they saying? I don't know who you're saying, chatboard. Who did they did say something earlier in the show? Yeah, but so we're still is is that important right now that we don't have a second assistant? No, no big deal. Does it become more important because John has and John? I mean, Spira has two jobs. He's a dual role. Don't the assistants become a little bit of oh, Stanford assistant unrated to us? The Stanford assistant? Who's that? Shibuya. Hmm. Hmm. 
Nothing. I first you've will, heard of will it. he keep his Stanford job? That would be the question. Well, allegedly, somebody shared earlier, and I'm not sure if it was directed towards me as a possible uh, point of employment, but allegedly there's a uh, job posting for an available spot with the Stanford men's program as an assistant. So some people put one-on-one together, they got three, and they decided that maybe that means that he's out and he's going to go to the... Ken's been there. Rumor only. Rumor only. Yeah, I don't know. Is it is it important? Is it more important because John's not there full time? Sure. If you get another assistant, do I think that assistant should be full time, hundred percent of the year? Yes. Well, I think both because I don't think you want Furbringer sitting right. there throwing pencils into the ceiling for that would be three awesome. months. Fine. When I when would love if you did that? When does the national team get back together? Like when does it May. all? So they have April May ish time. We're in April right now. Yeah, I mean guys guys will finish up. It'll be May. When is the artist formerly known as Reed Pretty? I was just going to say that going to be back in the United States. Yeah. Can he answer something? Right after he wins the Turkish championship and collects yet another check and then finally signs. Is this the rabbit? Is this the rabbit? Rabbit cup? They got the turtle one last time. They get the rabbit (laughs) one this time? That's right. I think the the rabbit would be before the turtle because then the rabbit, the hare fell apart. No, the turtle finished first. Tortoise. Because the turtle went, the the, uh, rabbit took a nap. Yeah, the tortoise one. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one, the next one would be higher than tortoise. Oh. Right. What's slower than a tortoise? This sounds like one of those new commercials. A sloth. <laughs> I love those commercials, by the way. The guy with the kids in the classroom. I don't know what you're talking about. I do. State Farm. State Farm. Yeah. What's uh? Does your grandmother want to be? Is your grandmother fast? No. Tape cheated her. Tape cheated her. Sounds like you thought about this. Yeah. The guy who uh, who plays the main character there, he does a great job with those guys. You know, you want more, and then you want more and more and more. Yeah. How many? How much of that do you think is scripted? Do you think it's just totally. him, him just going though and just waiting to see what he gets out of the kids? Because some kids of it's gonna, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was him doing multiple takes and right. take whatever the best. Yeah, of course. Exactly, Most droll parts of it are. Yeah, yeah. He, he plays that character well. I'm, I like him. I am absolutely positive. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I can do two things at once. Yeah. Uh, apparently, so, so you guys have a lot of free time during the week. Apparently. No, no, I, I do. No, no, keep going. I'm enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, AT&T. Not a State Farm? Oh, oh no, discount double check. Sorry. Oh. That's State Farm. Discount. Hey, Rogers! <laughs> discount double check! I love when they have a little kid VOing, I think. Yeah. I saw Cloud Atlas on the way back uh, this week. Cloudgate? Cloud Atlas. <laughs> Cloud Gate. Cloud Atlas. Very, uh, very interesting film. One of these films that I like that my wife would hate because it doesn't really have a point necessarily. Plus, it's kind of disjointed. You know, front, back, front, back, front, back. Sounds awesome. Uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's not Kevin, linear in the storytelling. Is that what you're Kevin me? described a movie as not having a point. <laughs> Just go throw that out there. I'm That's sure what you okay. said. Okay. It doesn't have a point. Almost famous. Yeah? No real point. What? Just a great story. Totally entertaining. I love the film. I have it. I will watch it if it's on. But... It's not a traditional film where you have like an incident, uh, you know, then the problems, then the resolution, then the happy moment, right? Um, not like that. That's exactly what the movie happened. No. Yes. No. He wanted to be a writer. Then he went on tour with all those dudes. Yeah. For and Rolling they Stone. basically effed him over. Yep. And then it all tied up happily at the end when the yeah, rock Russell, star came to his house. Russell came back, yeah. You lose, Kevin. <laughs> you want me to mute you again? I'm taking control. Maybe that's just a poor point of movies to choose from, but it's it's not your traditional. Somebody gets killed, somebody (laughs) has heartbreak, seeks revenge, resolution. They all live happily ever after. That is not. (laughs) It's not Beach Kings or or Side Out the movie. 
that what you're trying to tell me? Not a narrative masterpiece like those two? Cloud Atlas is like six separate stories all happening at once with some esoteric uh, reflections on reincarnation. And not only reincarnation, but the fact that you actually inhabit the same spaces, places with the same people in many cases over generations in time. Wow. Wasn't Cloud cool. Atlas, isn't it a book? It was. I guess a, a very well-written book. Uh, I always get those two confused. They into like, a movie. The movie's almost three books hours and movies? long. No, Life of Pi and Cloud Atlas, like because oh. they came out around the same time. And no, Life of Pi was now. Cloud Atlas was like last year. No, whatever. I still get them confused. I still don't and get I haven't Life seen of Life of Pi. Pi because if that tiger doesn't maul that kid in the movie, then I'm not seeing it. It's all. Oh, no, it's no, 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 a tiger. Yeah. It should maul him at some point. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, Siegfried got killed, or Roy, or whatever, got mauled. He didn't and get maimed. killed. Maimed. He got picked up by the tiger and taken off stage. <laughs> That is not too soon. You can make fun of that, Kevin. Oh, good. Yeah, you can make fun of that. Oh, good. It's a tiger. I wasn't making fun of it. All right, anyways. Uh, 814-J? Yeah. Is Jay going to crush you? That's my question. He'll bring it back up. Because I'll mute us and just let Jay absolutely unleash on you. Do we have songs? Yeah, they're both there. Okay, let's go to that. Bring that on. Uh, Casey, by the way, really disappointed in our lack of reading. Because we see the movies and not read the books. Yeah. I didn't know they made Beach Kings the book. <laughs> I didn't get that one. I didn't get that on my bestseller. Side out the pamphlet. Didn't see. Uh, <laughs> Amazon didn't send to me as recommendation. In association with the association, the Net Live proudly presents ABCA College Volleyball Weekly, a wrap-up of what was and a look forward to what will be in the world of college volleyball. It is still the men, although not for much longer, as our year of college volleyball comes to a close. New poll just out from the ABCA, and two votes for number one for Long Beach, but BYU remains atop the standings, so let's bring in our correspondents to talk about it. Jay Hasek of Penn State, who will be making their 402nd appearance in the Final Four in just a couple weeks' time, and also Mike Sondheimer of UCLA, who will definitely be there because Pauly Pavilion hosts said event. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, Hi. gentlemen. I'm just thankful I'm not in the studio so the hate mail doesn't get directed to me. <laughs> Jeez Louise. But he could be man. in the studio, so he'll be out here next this coming weekend. He could come by and make a gift. Oh, Sandy, you know, you just you never know what's going to happen. You never want to say those things. All right, UCLA rises to number three. And, Sandy, I said earlier, I think they're kind of the bracket buster because they're only sitting in fourth right now, but they seem to be the hottest team. Pump your home brand. Actually, the hottest team is Cal Baptist. Yeah, but we don't Cal care. Baptist is playing great. They're, you know, they they beat UCLA on Thursday, but UCLA came back, beat BYU in a match that meant nothing to BYU because BYU has already clinched the title. And I think the BYU coaches know they could be seeing UCLA or Pepperdine in a couple weeks in the MPSF second round. So I think they just kind of like you know, went through the match and are waiting for in case they get them again. But UCLA like is playing great. Right. Andy just told me that I was completely wrong on every point. That's good. I like that. <laughs> Uh, Cal Bap, I don't even care about Cal Bap. Congratulations on a great season. You did it with a bunch of Brazilians that are questionably eligible, and you're not eligible for playoffs anyway. So we'll talk about you next year, although good win against UCLA. Jay, <laughs> tell me about uh, – what are you <laughs> – They're not even in. I mean, <laughs> Who do you want me to talk about? Somebody back east. Tell me what that is. Okay. Let's, let's talk about Penn State, whether 29th. 29th evil. Let's talk about that. Congratulations, Jay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But before we get to that, let's talk about Ohio State losing to both Lewis and Loyola in three straight to both And getting matches. crushed. 
Yeah, getting crushed, and that was uh, it was not a good weekend for the Buckeyes. And I think what it what it you know it speaks to is kind of what's going on out west is that there's some teams that maybe at the beginning of the year were not putting things together, and they're kind of figuring things out now. And some other teams that maybe started out hot are maybe starting to slow down, and that's the wrong time of the year that you want to do that. So, uh, you know, congratulations to Lewis and Leo. It looks like right now. Lewis is still in the driver's seat to host, but Loyola is only one loss behind, and they're both playing IPFW, and they're both playing Ball State later on. That could be uh, you know, the deciding factor as to who hosts that tournament, so that's big there. Um, as for, yes. Let me ask you a question on that, Miva. I remember you talked about Loyola, I think it was earlier this season, about uh, how talented they were. They kind of struggled early on, now putting it back together. Could Lewis or Loyola pull an Ohio State and take the championship, which one would be more likely to do that? Uh, you know, I think most likely out of those two teams to do that would be Lewis. Uh, I think Lewis has got the pieces. Jeff Powell uh, is, is, is like I said, he's a smaller kid, kind of like Taylor Crabb. I think he's about 6'2 or 6'3", uh, but just jumps real well, has a real whip of an arm in their setters. Uh, I think a senior, B.J. Bulldog. That team, uh, kind of like what you were talking about earlier with Long Beach, they're not exactly flashy, but they just play good volleyball, and they make you have to finish the point. And I think that is exactly what Ohio State did a couple of years ago. They were not the team that were big bangers. They ran a slower offense, but they were very good at what they did, and they just played volleyball and made you have to play with them. Yeah, what's going to help Lewis when they get to the NCAA semis if they do win the MIVA is being there last year. I mean, they gave they gave USC one heck of a match last year in the semifinals before falling in four, and they've got five legit starters back, and that's going to give them an advantage if they get there. Absolutely, that is. All right, Jay, so you guys have the regular season title in the EVA, but what is the tournament going to look like? Well, right now the four teams that have clinched uh, their spots in the in the playoffs for the EIBA are us in first. George Mason is in second right now. Princeton is currently in third, and, and Harvard is in fourth. And those teams are going to flip-flop uh, depending upon who wins the last uh, weekend of the, of the season. I think Princeton, if they win, they're going to be moved up to second or third. And I think if they lose, then they're going to be in fourth. And so it looks like uh, those are the four teams that have clinched it. So that's, that's how that's shaping up. And it was by no means an easy task this year. I know I've been talking about it, and I know people are hammering me about it, but the EIVA is, is pretty darn good this year, and those teams are not going to be an easy walkthrough to get to the final four. And considering matchups, I think Jay is very very much rooting for Princeton to fail, because I think it would be a much better semifinal matchup for Penn State to play Princeton than play Harvard that's already beaten them and could have beaten them twice. Uh, it's possible that that could be the case, but we'll t- we'll see who's going to face us. I'm always looking at matchups, Jay. Matchups are so important in the sport of volleyball. <laughs> and don't don't tell me that you're thinking about. It. I already know that's what Penn State would rather do. <laughs> don't give me the oh. BS. Dang it, Sandy! I got to dang it. And then we get we got a battle out west because Hawaii, if they can beat San Diego twice, may slip into the eight seed because Northridge has got a very tough week. They got to play Irvine and play Long Beach. Well, and and CSUN lost to UOP, and, you know, UOP is an improving team. By no means are they fighting for a playoff spot, but CSUN is, uh, you know, they they keep shooting themselves in the foot, and they lose. Yeah, they lost to SC also. Yeah, and those are are two games that if they won those two games, they gave themselves a nice cushion to be able to get into the playoffs and not have to stress so much, but now they're putting it up against the line, and you're right, if Hawaii wins out and they get a little help from some other people, they could take that eighth spot, and next thing you know, it's it's all hell breaking loose. I think BYU would much rather play, again, looking at matchups, would much rather play Northridge than a Hawaii team that can, on a given night, really play well. Yeah, I agree with that. BYU number one, Long Beach State number two, UCLA three, Irvine four. Those are unchanged. Then it's Cal Baptist five, who moved up above Pepperdine, who dropped down to number six. And it's UC Santa Barbara, 
Stanford, Lewis, Cal State, Northridge, all unchanged through the top ten. Loyola of Chicago up from 13 to 11. Then Ohio State down from 11 to 12. And Penn State in there at 13. Hawaii and Ball State, others receiving votes. USC, Dustin, thanks for voting for your alma mater. Pacific and George Mason. Uh-oh. Yeah, interesting. And, and, and USC, to me, looks like it, it's it's next year for USC. I mean, having seen them against Long Beach, it, when you take the nation's perhaps best setter and start him at opposite for set number three, it seems like the giant panic button has been jumped on. And they've done that a couple times this year. I don't think it's the first time Mike has been swinging. And uh, I, I think what they're doing at this point is they're just kind of saying, hey, let's let's get through the season. Let's not get any more injuries. Let's give some other players some experience. So then in case we got to use them next year, they got a couple under the belt. And that's kind of what they're doing out there. And, you know, it's everybody has an up-and-down year, and this is just a rebuilding year for them. Yeah, and Bill will have great experience starting off next year. He gets McKibben back. He's got a couple good recruits coming in on the outside. And uh, another couple more Yoders coming into the program. And, They'll be right there next year. Should they yep. play more sets next year? Because they played very few sets and no non-conference competition. I think well, you, know, you look like a genius, Kevin, games. because you mentioned that way back, <laughs> you know, way back in February, and now you look really good. That maybe they need to have a lot more sets. Back well, early. it came to my mind because it freaked me out getting ready for the match against UCLA. I thought I had done all my homework, although I'd done it on a plane ride on the way back, and I thought God, I was all finished with USC, and I clicked on it, and it said they had 33 sets for the season. And I flipped out because I thought there's no way, you know, uh, UCLA, their opponent, had played 75 at that point. And yeah. I looked, and looked at, sure enough, they'd only played 33 well, sets. Well, USC and Pepperdine always avoid that Santa Barbara tournament. That Santa Barbara tournament automatically gets people, you know, usually an extra 10 to 12 sets over a weekend, too. Yeah, plus yeah. they played five or seven five-set matches in a row. Like that. Yeah. That exactly. tournament used to be so much fun. I remember playing it back yep. in the day, and it was awesome. You had all the top teams from the MPSF. You had a smattering of club teams from around the country. Right. You had a couple of D3 teams. That was such a fun tournament. And Friday, I mean, Friday night you were gassed. And then Saturday was the power pool, and it was just an absolutely unbelievable tournament to be a part of. And I'm so bummed that it's not that same format anymore. Yeah. Let's get to the important story, though. No, no team from the East or Midwest has ever come out this late to the West to play a match. And Penn State's coming out and playing Concordia, and they're going to play Irvine to get ready for the NCAAs this weekend, two weeks before MIVA, and that's never happened before. So obviously yeah. Penn State, with this gigantic budget in volleyball, feels it's important to play a really strong team, play the national champions, to get ready for the NCAAs. There's only yeah. getting somewhere, right, Jay? There's always... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if I should be happy that the knife is halfway pulled out or if it just went in at all. Uh, you know what? We we have gone out to California to play uh, in March. matches. Uh, no, we played in April a few years ago. We went to the Final Four. We went to Santa Barbara and played CSUN in Santa Barbara in April. It happens. Um, Early. You know, we try to... <laughs> Which year did you went to the Final Four is that? A few, every year uh, you go to the Final Four, Jay. 2010. 2010, when we went to the finals against So if Stanford. you think you could, if you beat Irvine, you think you move up to number three seed, or right now are you locked into playing BYU potentially in no. the NCAA semifinal? No, here's, here's what's going to happen. What, we're 13th right now, Barney? Is that what it is? Uh, here's exactly what's going to happen. If we were to smoke UC Irvine in three straight, we would drop down to 14th because everybody <laughs> would say, oh, well, Irvine just wasn't. They were overlooking, and they sat all their starting players, and so they really don't deserve it. Yeah, so we'd actually drop. We might actually get just votes uh, because, you know, we have such a big, giant budget, like Sandy says. Well, then Dustin we will vote for you more. up to 13th. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> if Bessie has a big last week, they'll take the Penn State votes. So I mean, really well. Grand, Grand Canyon will move up to third with a win over Quincy. That's just how it works, you know? Nice. <laughs> 
All right, guys, give me something to look forward to this week as everything starts to get decided, or gets decided, I guess. This is it. Well, UCLA and Pepperdine play Wednesday, and that's going to be huge. UCLA has to win if they want to host a first-round MPSF playoff match. That's going to be big. The two Northridge, if they want to hold on and make the MPSF playoffs, playing Long Beach and Irvine, that's going to be huge also this week. And and then Hawaii going to San Diego. If Hawaii wins two, Hawaii may very much easily find themselves in the playoffs and on on a trip to BYU. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the uh, the CSUN and Long Beach and the Hawaii San Diego's. That's those those matches are are you know it's do or die pretty much for both those teams, and I'm really interested to see who's going to come out of that. I'm also going to watch what IPFW does with Lewis and Loyola. They could be the spoilers this year and really kind of screw some things up. Uh, I'm also going to be watching Loyola at Ball State. Those are two teams battling for position in terms of uh, seating. I'm also going to be watching our team against UC Irvine. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing family and friends, getting out there to the warm weather, which we're kind of practicing for out here because it's 65 degrees today, but it'll be fun nonetheless. Yeah, the Skyrim Report on UC Irvine's new lineup now that played so well, they swept uh, Stanford and, and Pacific over the weekend? Uh, I wish you would give it to me because I don't have that current lineup, Sandy. I yeah, have, have no to give idea you the new, new outside hitter and new, new rotation, so you have to <laughs> check it out to get you ready for the weekend. Yeah, I, I don't know who's playing. I'm just going to use the video from last year, and we're just going to put the Skyrim Report based on that. That won't help you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it won't, Sandy. Dang, I got to talk to Pav about that. What, what, what's going on out there? <laughs> Gentlemen, awesome. as always, thanks for your contribution and fun in making College Football Weekly a uh, segment I look forward to on the program. Appreciate it. Mike and Jake. Thanks, we look guys. forward to talking to you again next week, and uh, we'll have playoff pictures next week because it'll be good. Absolutely, we will. Hey, don't talk about any more kids named named uh, Jack. That's just awful. That's just awful. Yeah, I know. There's going to be a ton of Russells though if you go Friday, you go Saturday over to Penn State, Irvine. <laughs> All right, hey, boys. Jay, are you here next week? Can you join the show? I, you know what? I I uh, I will not be there on Monday. We leave back. Uh, 6 a.m. out of LAX on Sunday, so that means i got to get up at the right page of uh, or right hour of 3.30 to be able to get up there on time. It's awful. Oh. Well, Susan Network gets the right kind of budget that can keep you over a day and then fly you back on Monday and get you back for practice. You know, I mean, the yeah. you know if, if we were if we well. were UCLA, we might have that money. Yeah, the roll, roll yeah. that in with that net. Yes. <laughs> Those are extra two, two or three sponsors that we got to get, and things will roll. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Jay, good luck. Have fun out Thank here. Thank you, guys. We'll All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, we'll Mike see you. Checking in College Bye. of Volleyball Weekly. Good stuff. I like it when those two get into it. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. We're going to have uh, Matt Furbringer on the other side of the turn here. Furbiscuit? The Furby. Not a little child's toy that's being reintroduced, but a volleyball coach. I could play a new song for you. I really like Kevin. You're not going to know who it is, so I won't quiz you. Maybe I'll surprise you. Maybe.
Welcome back to the Net Live here on Volleyball Magazine. Of course, thanks to Spire Institute as well as Volleyball Magazine and Hurley and others for supporting this program. Uh, we wanted to let you know that we're going to balance out the the uh, karma here on the program today because we got a nice email from <coughs> excuse me whoa did choke excuse up me. wow a uh, nice email from the Badger region uh, who was mentioned earlier by Todd Goronsky up there the Badger region of uh, USA Volleyball. And they sent us a note, wanted us to know about hashtag yellow for Greg. Yeah. And this is for Greg Von Ruden. He's a 14-year-old Marquette University High School player, freshman, uh, who is battling bone cancer, osteosarcoma, if you want to know the actually official name. But he's also a club player, played for the West Dallas Lightning when they won the national championship in 2010. And um, when he was getting ready to go for the championship this past year, go to championships, he got the news. So he's been... Uh, battling cancer, so he's beaten the cancer as of March 19th, uh, but three weeks later it came back. So uh, they're they're working on fighting it. He has a, a GoFundMe site for donating. It is GoFundMe.com slash Greg Von Rudin, and we'll get that up on the on the chat book yeah. chat board and on the, the Facebook page there. But if you want, uh, get up there and contribute or, or send Greg a note, just a note of encouragement there as he fights uh, bone cancer. So. Uh, Greg Von Ruden out of uh, Marquette University High School. All right, boys, you should do this one. If you, you're trying to what add you to your, I'm, I'm trying plugging to, my I'm stuff. Trying to, trying to pull us off air. Yeah. If you're gonna, you know, get yourself on air uh, here, Dustin. If you're gonna become a professional at this, you're gonna have to get your introduction tape full. Okay. You want to introduce this next guy? Absolutely. Okay. Neighbor. What's up, bud? Yeah. What's up, bro? One of the best neighbors in the South Bay. He started on the beach after winning a national championship at Stanford University. By my count, seven open titles with a few different partners. Many of you may have remembered him coming up with Casey Jennings. Been playing the last couple years with Nick Lusana on the beach. He's an All-American. He's a champion. He played for Team Fletch in the six-man. You might know him from that. Probably the best thing he ever did. <laughs> Besides his two kids, Charlie and Mateo. And now he is not only the volunteer on the men's team at UCLA, but announced recently, congratulations, we're bringing in the first assistant. And I can say that because he's the only one we know about. The first assistant on the men's national team. We're talking about Ferbs, Matt Furbringer. What's up, boys? What's up, bud? Neighbor, that's a good little intro there. Yeah, Had thanks. Facts down. Yeah, I did. I try to I try to brush up. I mean, one thing that I did that I left out, and people may not have been able to witness in person, like Jeremy and I did, finished second in the Best of the Beach, which was uh, the NVL's King of the Beach this last year in Las Vegas. Pretty fun tournament. You got to play with Phil in the finals, and you guys did the often impersonated but never duplicated block block the double block in one game. <laughs> Unreal. We had, to, we had to get one in there just for uh, just because it may never happen again for prosperity's sake. And I I won a hundred bucks because you did that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Put money in Jeremy's pocket. Yep, uh, appreciate unlike it. this program. Good looking out. And Ferbs, let's let's jump right in on that. What's your beach career looking like in the near future? Yeah, I mean it's not it's not looking like anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It's looking pretty much done. I mean, I I am hoping to um, to play in a local event this year. Just get back on center one more time and just kind of say goodbye. But 
you know, my time from starting two weeks ago till now was 100% in the gym, uh, in the office, getting ready for the USA Volleyball job. So, you know, if the tournament was tomorrow, I think I'd, I'd do pretty well in it. By the time August rolls around and I've gone through World League, um, I'm not sure what I'll be able to do in it. But uh, I'll have fun and hopefully get, uh, you know, a Casey or a Nick or, you know, something like that to to play with me in one event and um, see where that goes. But I don't even know if I'll be able to do that or not. It just depends on, you know, our schedule here. But if it's a local event, it's a weekend-only event, um, I think I can uh, try to pull that off. Matt, how did this opportunity come about? How did the conversation start between you and John? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Uh, well, as you guys know, I've been um, working with uh, UCLA this year and, and really had a great time working with John and Brad and um, Andrea the staff up at UCLA and uh, working with all the guys. And um, we just had a really good time and um, w- working all together. And uh, I don't know, I guess it was about a month ago or so that um, USA Volleyball, it seems like, came circled back with John and, uh, you know, kind of brought it up like, hey, I, you know, I know we know you want to do it and we may be willing to work with you and allow you to do, you know, keep your UCLA job and your, you know, and, and do USA Volleyball. And so I guess as soon as he heard that, he came to me and just kind of checked in to see if that was something I'd be interested in doing. Um, you know, when we first talked, he's actually, I'm like, well, yeah, after the season, you know, I joined in. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a couple of days later, he called me in the office. He was like, Matt, I, you know, you're a guy on my short list. I'd like to do it, but you'd have to, you know, retire, you know, be down on the beach right away. And so that's when it became, you know, a real you know, something real to me, and then I asked him just to kind of keep me posted in the loop and let me know when it's real, because at this point, it was just, you know, them kicking around the idea, seeing if they can make it work, seeing what can happen, and then um, he said, Matt, I think it's real, and I said, well, should I call Doug Beal, and he said yes, and I called Doug, and um, and I went from that. Yeah, how did that conversation go with Doug? Well, you know, Matt, uh <laughs> <laughs> he uh, gave me a low voice that I can just resonate to my ear because I, I heard it back when I was playing for him. and uh, But it was good, actually a really good conversation. Doug was really um, cool to me. He is obviously, he had some, um, you know, concerns about my experience. But after talking with John and, and uh, talking with me, he was for it. He was for getting younger coaches involved in USA Volleyball. And um, I had a good relationship with Doug. So the conversation went 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 really well, um, and he was he's been super supportive, and so you know I thank him for that. Yeah, how are you going to approach not only the the age issue, but as you just touched on, kind of the experience issue when it comes to the international game and coaching these players, uh, many of whom have multiple years of experience in the international game, and you're now joining it, uh, coming from another venue uh, as a new guy, but in a position of power at that assistant coach spot. <laughs> Yeah, position of power. Um, you know, you know, it's uh, I'm going to bring what I can bring to the table, and I'm going to learn a lot from these guys, and it's going to be somewhat of a learning experience for me. But I'm going to be able to bring them a lot of experience that I've had playing professional volleyball for, you know, 15, 16 years now. And I played six years indoor or five years indoor, you know, um, got a lot of experience there, and then took my game to the beach. And I think the really cool thing about beach volleyball is you only go as far as you are motivated. 
and you have to learn the game. You have to study the game if you want to win, but you're never forced to. So all the great guys on the beach, you know, there's are guys that study the game, work at the game, and I've learned so much about, you know, whether it's taking care of the body, how to travel and play, how to be successful, siding out, you know, national TV in a, in a final and, and uh, you know, playing for the Olympics, playing for a spot to go to the Olympics. Um, you know, I, I've just learned so much that I feel like I can share with these guys. And I really feel like that, me just recently finished playing so I completely can relate to these guys as far as issues or challenges they may have both on and off the court. Um, I feel like that's going to be something that no one else could really offer these guys. And I think it's a really good thing. So things I may not know in, in international game X's and O's, um, I'm going to be able to give them, you know, be a mentor and really be able to help these guys. And, and you know, that's what John – I mean, John's the head coach. John's the guy that, you know, he's, you know, he was with the team for 08, with the team in 012. He knows the X's and O's. He knows all the stuff. And and uh, so I'm just here to assist him on that, give him my eye. And but more importantly, I'm here to help the guys, you know, get better and reach their potential. I think that's my, you know – if after four years I feel like I've given these guys everything they can to reach their potential, whether they do or not, if I give them that, give them the platform to do that, then, you know, I'll be happy with what I've done. What's been the reaction of the players? It's been real positive. Uh, it's, it's been really positive. Um, I've gotten great notes from all the guys and all the veterans. Um, you know, the infamous Reed Pretty, who never seems to make it on the show. Uh <laughs> I've talked to him a lot, and, um, you know, it's 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 been really cool. I think they're all excited to have, you know, I think some of the things I touched upon, they're excited about to have someone who's, you know, gone through some of the same stuff they have and they can relate to. And, um, you know, hopefully that can be a sounding board for these guys and, and you know, help keep them, keep them focused and keep them moving in the right direction because we know that's not always an easy thing to do as a player. So I'll have – I'll be removed from the player, be able to look at it from a different angle – but still, you know, I think be, you know, understanding to a lot of the issues they're going through. Has timeline been discussed with you, Matt, in terms of the, the length of the contract? I'm sure you're in, in for, you know, the quad and Rio and all that. But yeah. You guys sign on. Is it a four-year contract? Is it, you know, like a two-year with a reevaluation? How does that work? It's a four-year deal, but, I mean, I think Barney knew the exact term, you know, because it's out of Colorado. It's a, what was it, Kevin, an employee? At will, they can, at will employment. Yeah. Yeah. So they can, I mean, they can fire us anytime. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but we're on a four year, I mean, we're on a four year mission. That's, that's what, that's what this is. So that's what I'm, I'm here for. And, but if I'm not living up to my job and especially with my experience, I'm sure they'll be evaluating me, you know, every year as I, as they should be. And if I'm not doing it, then I could be let go at any time. How has John defined your role for you and what will measure success? You know, we you know, that's one of the things I'm doing right now. I'm working really hard at is defining the roles of what national team coaches are supposed to do both on the court and off the court. There really isn't uh you know, there's nothing when we walk in here, there's really nothing that we have. Um as far as, you know, what the office work with my job is the office work. So, you know, that's something I, every day I'm keeping notes for John and we're trying to build you know, which will be kind of a, you know, an action plan for any USA national team coach in the future or for him if he decides to do it four more years, um, knowing exactly what, you know, we want to do and what each coach should do. And, you know, you could change it for, with different coaches, but, you know, just so we know everything's kind of taken care of. And, you know, there's guys in the office down here now, which there wasn't when um, Alan Knight stepped in. 
um, but now there is. So they've been really helpful to me, um, kind of giving me some ideas. But, you know, it's kind of one of the things we're going over right now, figuring out what we need to do. So are you full-time with the national team now, or what are your duties remaining with UCLA, and will you remain with UCLA at all in the future? Yeah, no, my duties are full-time here. Um, I started about two weeks ago. I think I agreed with Doug on a Thursday night on all terms, came in on Friday, signed paperwork, and started working Friday. And, um, you know, I'm just really excited for the opportunity and just, you know, excited to get going on, on what we're doing. And, um, and then I will finish up this year with UCLA because I made a commitment to the, to the boys, to the players. And um, I've had a lot of fun. They, I, I've watched them grow a lot, and um, I wasn't going to leave that. But I also, my commitment went down. So I was a volunteer assistant, or am a volunteer assistant, but I was going up there a lot. I was going up there a lot. And, uh, you know, now I'm pretty much just going up for the big practices and for the games and um, just told the guys they can email me with stuff. But that commute that was from Hermosa to UCLA, which isn't fun, just became from Anaheim to UCLA, which is really not fun. <laughs> um, plus I'm now, you know, really, you know, taking care of work here in the office and coaching, you know, there's a few guys in the gym right now. So working with them a little bit and, um, you know, so as of now, I'm, I'm still hoping I'm going to finish the season, but as soon as that's over, I'll be, I'll be done with UCLA. Ferb's, uh, we're talking to Matt Ferbringer here, new men's assistant coach with the USA men's national team and current volunteer assistant with UCLA men. Ferb's Dustin again here. I wonder as you said earlier, your beach career sort of dwindling down and the coaching position portion of your career, the next step, really uh, accelerating. And, and you've been involved in the junior game a lot. When you took the role with John as the volunteer assistant, what was your expectation in terms of the future opportunity that it that it would lead to? You know, I, I really, number one, I mean, people thought I was crazy for taking that job. You know, what are you doing volunteering your time? And But I'm just, you know, I, was, I really took it to learn, you know, to learn from John because um, it's pretty known fact right now that he's the best in the game on the men's side. So, um, you know, I had a an opening with him. I knew him. Um, he wanted me to do it. So I thought, hey, you know, what a good opportunity to kind of come and see how he's going to build a program um, and, see, you know, see what he does. And then it was also to see if I really wanted to coach at the – at the college level, you know, when I was done playing, I knew I loved coaching club volleyball. Um, I knew I loved working with the guy, with the young kids, and you know, helping them out. But you know, I didn't know, you know, if I'd want to, you know, do all the stuff it took to, to be a college coach, you know, all the recruiting and all the stuff. But I really had a great time. I um, have had a good time, and it's something I definitely want to do at some point in my career. Um, and this really popped out of nowhere. I mean, I was really training hard. Nick and I were playing. I was listening to you guys show a little bit last week. Um, you know, we were playing, you know, our best ball <laughs> that we've really played ever. And um, I thought our, you know, us, you know, there's a lot of new teams this year and, and our experience was going to help us. But when this came up, it was just one of those things where this is something I thought about doing. I got, I, after I was cut from the national team back in the day, I was, I would think about, oh, man, like one of the things I would have done differently as far as a coach and, you know, to make the experience better for the players and, so I don't know, man. It's something that that was just so cool and so unique that I that I decided that I'd given it all in my beach game. You know, I'd given everything I had, and this was something that I could really, you know, put everything into again. So it was going to be from one passion to another, and 
I don't know how many people get to do that in their lives, so I was pretty excited about it. Ferbs, given your experience, I think it was 1999 in Denver with non-tearaway sweats, will you allow tearaway sweatpants? <laughs> Dude, I want to, the guys can wear whatever they feel comfortable in. I'm not, uh, I love the tear. I'm, I grew up a basketball player, so uh, I'm a big fan. Do you recall the incident I'm talking about when you were going to get subbed in against Canada? Yeah, I do. Was. I do. I've, yeah, I do. I've had, uh, I actually used to have nightmares about that in basketball. You know, you're about to get announced in front of the full crowd. So, luckily, I uh, figured it out sooner rather than later. Matt Furbringer about to go in against Canada in uh, in Denver, and they call him in. He tries to take off his sweatpants, won't go over one shoe. I think it was Phil Etherton is literally yanking Furbringer across the gym <laughs> by one foot. I think they actually removed his foot to get the sweatpants off. Nice. Uh, and I, I don't think he actually ended up going in. Did you get waved off? No, I think it was. I think it was the Doug movie yeah, where he like gave you the heads up and then the, the no last second. <laughs> I think uh, whoever I was going to go in for was like 0 for 5 and then got the first kill and then I was back on the bench. So. <laughs> for switching gears a little bit back to yeah. you as a player and your experience on the beach, if you were coming out of, of college now and mm-hmm. the, the game where it is now, and obviously you have some intimate knowledge of that, what advice would you give to you know the players or or yourself if if you were coming up between beach and indoor? I mean, I, I think I would do I would give advice to do what I did, which was to you know go go do indoor for a little bit. I mean, I, I feel like that that experience of going overseas, learning how to be a professional while you're getting paid to be a professional is a great, great thing. I mean, when you show up, remember, when you show up as an American overseas, they're not expecting you to be a role player. They're expecting you to be the best guy in the gym all the time. And, um, you know, having that pressure put on you and performing under that pressure while getting paid to do it is, is a great a great thing to learn. It gives you a little money in your pocket. You can come home, and if you're, if you're not a national team person or that's not what you want to do, you can play beach, get your feet wet, and start making that transition. And then, when you're ready, when you know what it takes to win, you have a little money so you can invest in yourself in the beach, I think you make that, um, you know, you make that jump. Now, there are some, you know, people that are freakishly good at beach early on, so, you know, they can do that. But for most most guys that grew up playing indoor volleyball, it's, there's a transition period. So, you know, I think you can kind of get, you know, go through that transition period as you're playing indoor, as you're getting some money, as you're learning what it takes to be a professional. And then, you know, when you learn those things, you can make the jump full-time. Perhaps do you have any idea who is going to be your coworker, your other assistant? I don't. We we really don't know. I I know. I don't. The one person that was originally on the list got shut down um, from his university. Um, so he is not in, and now it's back to the drawing board. And that's you know, Sprawl will consult me on it, but this is Sprawl's job. Is this you know, Sprawl? Sprawl's name on the line going forward, so he's going to pick whoever he feels most comfortable with. And um, as of right now, I haven't heard anything where he's even mentioned to me like a like a front runner. So I'm available first, and we can carpool. It'll be really easy. So just let me sure Sprawl knows that. I thought we were getting you on the TV side. What's going yeah. on here? You want I know. What are we doing, man? Wait a minute. Listen, you, I do national team stuff. Hang on. You're Game out. Ball. You're out, Kevin. <laughs> you're out, buddy. Sorry. Hey Barney, when are we gonna? I mean, now I mean, my winters won't be you know won't be too busy. I mean, can I can we 
do a game together, call a couple college games together next year? Who do I have to call to get on the Pac-12 list? Get there we go. All you got to do is get your information into uh, Pac-12. You'd be all set, dude. It'd be fun to have you on there. It'd be fun yeah. to have you on the men's programs in the spring as well. You have time right now. You'll have plenty of exactly. time. That's what I'm talking I mean, about, yeah. yeah like carts do it. You can do it, for sure. Yeah. Matt goes from volunteering to now having eight jobs. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I already, ha- already had, as people say, like, how's your tra- transition working a desk job? I'm like, well, I haven't exactly been going from practice to uh, to watching ESPN for a long time. It's been <laughs> practice to club practice to weights to picking up the kids to UCLA. So, so. Yeah, you and your wife, Joy, own that club, and how does that change your role within the club? I know you were working with some conditioning stuff. You were working with some boys. You had a lot of responsibilities there, but now you have a a full plate just with the national team. Yeah, it's going to be kind of a play-by-ear. See, um, you know, we have people in place to help, but my plan is just to help out as much as I can with the boys. I haven't done much of the conditioning stuff for a few years since I started the boys because it was uh, just too much work, Uh, but now – I really enjoy working with the kids, and um, so I will do that as much as I can. What I'll probably do is just be you know, more an assistant coach on a few teams and get there for practices when I can and just work with them and just, you know, um, just do as much stuff as with them as I can. But I won't be able to guarantee stuff like I'm going to be at these tournaments, and so I just won't really be able to head coach a team. How much insight can you give us as to the direction of this team? I know John indicated to us last week and also in his press conference that it's kind of a youth movement. Uh, Can you give us any more information on will we see some veterans in the next couple of years or will you hold those guys out? Will we see a lot of young guys out there immediately? I mean, we want the veterans back 100%. Um, I think our plan as of right now is to let those guys take care of their bodies. Um, you know, let these be a summer, maybe two summers, where we see other people and uh, and then see if those guys can keep their body strong, keep sharp, and be ready for a two-year push. Um, if they are then, and they're still playing the best, they'll be there. If, if their bodies aren't holding on or some of these young kids are out playing them, then, you know, that's, I think, the way it will roll. But right now, we want, we want those guys to be competing for spots in 2012. I mean, that's that's without question. So we're going to do everything we can to keep those guys healthy and, and keep those guys strong. And, you know, obviously they're playing at real high levels overseas. So, you know, summer for now can be just about taking care of the bodies and doing the things they have to do to be ready for, you know, a four-year run might be a little bit too much or not might be is a little too much of those guys at this point. So I think we're looking at a two-year run with them. All right, Matt Furbringer is the new assistant coach for the USA men's national team and recent retiree from the world of beach volleyball. Matt, thanks so much for spending a little time with us. We know with everything we just talked about, you're incredibly busy, and we appreciate the, the time you're willing to give us. No worries, boys. Thanks a lot. All right, Matt Furbringer checking in from Anaheim where he's in office right yes. away. How about that? How Thank about a turn of events? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Matt Furbringer, no idea he would be in office, in charge down there. Because John's not there, so Matt's just in charge. It's him, the whole office. Got to have his feet up on throwing pencils at the ceiling, like you said earlier today. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> uh, good stuff. I, I, my favorite quote in there happened early. Took my game to the beach. Isn't that a little Kobe right there? I'm going to take my game to the you NBA. Mean LeBron. That was LeBron? That's what, I said. That's what you said. Yep. Oh, okay. Take my talent to South Beach. No, I thought that Kobe did it when he said, I've decided to take my talents to the NBA. I thought that's where that came from. His original press conference coming out of Lower Marion. 
I don't know. I don't Somebody's got to look that up on the chat board because I think I got you it. guys right now. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're not... Don't no, play that card. Nobody likes Kobe Bryant. They're just... Hey, they're a what sad, to, broken uh, version of what they used Cypress to be. Hill. You want to hear it some more? Yeah. I'll, I'll let it roll in the background. I like the Armada Latina. Um, first of all, I just want to point out that Furby's a great guy. Yeah, the, he's a golden god. Yes. <laughs> he is Russell from Stillwater he to go right god. back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to go right back to almost famous. And I will say one of my favorite nicknames that Casey Jennings ever gave him was Fur Biscuit after Sea Biscuit <laughs> when Furby like broke his foot and was walking around with a cast. Like Casey Jennings kept referring to him as Fur Biscuit, and I could not stop laughing about it or calling him that for the rest of that season. So we're going to get a picture of a horse with uh, Furby's head on it? Fur Biscuit. Yep. I hope so. <laughs> uh, good times. Oh. Uh, he's full time. National team already. Yeah. Sign the paperwork Friday. Here's your office. Start yeah. working right now. It is no small job, and they're Good. behind. They're, even with the knowledge that John has, I still say what we had earlier when we were talking about four years ago with Alan Knipe and his staff coming in, and these guys coming in now, they are behind. Good that John has all the knowledge he has uh, of the international scene, the opponents, the schedule, and so on, and Matt has some experience with that as a player. Good that that's there, but still, there is a lot of work to do. There's a lot of video to review and planning to be done and scheduling and travel and trying to figure out who you're going to have on these different events. I mean, wow, put together the roster right now. Speaking of Alan Knipe. Yeah. Is he on? Oh. No. Uh, Never again. He was, uh, Kevin <laughs> was doing the game the other night and against Alan's team versus USC, and... Uh, I believe Alan would not make eye contact with Kevin. Are we going down this road right now? Well, I understand that people don't like you. I get it. I understand why. Um, (laughs) You did kind of crush him. I get it. I do wish that people would be okay with some criticism. You're not being critical. I was thinking about this after afterwards. You're not being critical just to be a jerk like you were earlier today on the show. (laughs) Um, But, like, if I was being critical of Alan, then, yeah, he can get upset because who am I to be critical of him? You... Played on the national team. You have some experience. You have now seen behind the scenes of what it takes, besides from a player's perspective. I think you are a person that can critique without people, with people should be like, okay, he's critiquing and not just doing it to be a jerk. You're just critiquing because it deserves to be critiqued. The team did not live up to their potential. Yeah, and the thing is, if you're upset with me, in my opinion, I understand. I've especially with the show and the fact that I'm on the broadcast all the time and yeah. we sit here for I three mean, hours. I mean, B.J. Evans hates you, but she still tunes in to listen. Bev Odin, too. I mean, let the list keep going. Uh, it is a multicultural and varied list of folks that are upset with me. But, uh, yeah, the, the, to the criticism side of things, and I, and I told Bill Ferguson this because he was kind of getting on my case about something when we were down there. Which is fine. They should get on your case. Uh, yeah, fine. I'm all for it. But I told him, I said, look, if I'm factually wrong, then I'm wrong. Tell me because I've made a mistake. Yeah. If you disagree with my opinion... Well, let's talk about it, because I... Sorry, BJ, if it doesn't hate you, she just doesn't like you a lot. <laughs> I pretty well stand by my opinion of things and show me where it's different. And, I, and I've said with Alan's performance in the national team, I only see the end product. You come to the match, you either win the match or don't win the match. You either win the tournament or don't win the tournament. You podium or you don't. That's pretty much it. And when that doesn't happen, it's up to me to figure out why based on what I'm seeing, right? I'm Correct. not in practice every day. I'm in there very occasionally, and I see all of your your games, all of your matches, all of your sets, all of your lots of practices there. I see that stuff, and I talk to players, and I talk to a certain group of players more than others, but uh, that's the lens through which I look at it, and my opinions are, are formed on that. And if you disagree with my opinion, 
I, if I said you sucked and you won the gold medal, well, we'd probably have a problem with me. You have a problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but if you haven't really performed, and you, then fine. So, you know, I, I don't know. And I think it's a, a situation where this sport is not used to any type of critical analysis. Agreed. Either good or bad. In-depth analysis of the good and bad things. And that's part of what, when Reed and I put this together five years ago, we wanted to have that. Our sport needs that. And who's right? I was talking to I was talking to somebody over the weekend and, and I said with our sport I was talking to a motocross journalist and we were talking about Drink. the idea of um the attention that sports get because these guys experience the same thing. Yeah. He and I have had conversations about how he experiences that inside the motocross community. Yeah. And and that community gets a lot more attention than the volleyball community gets as a whole. Correct. The athletes interact with media a lot more and sponsors and obligations and things like that. And uh, the the conversation turned to um, – uh, now I'm losing my train of thought here. People hate you, you crushing them. Disagreements. Disagreements. You had a great story lined up. Yeah, with motocross involved. Think of, yeah, a lot of drinking. A lot of drinking even, going even on. We have motocross in there, but then I completely lost it. Uh, but we've talked about the insulary nature of, of the sport. Correct. And, and how they're not used to hearing um, some of that stuff. But – in other big sports, you have journalists that can say whatever they want because, really, if you think about it, for college basketball and, say, Jay Billis, who's been very critical uh, of the NCAA. Yeah. No. Who backs Jay Billis? ESPN. In Correct. Stats. Who writes the checks for NCAA? ESPN. Yeah. Jay Billis is backed by the bigger entity. True that. You know, here, they don't really need us. We need them, right? And also... Dustin, and I don't have your back, so you're just screwed. It's just me. <laughs> no, I was going somewhere else, but I, I'll, I'll get back I to do that. think, too, like, I think about, like, pro NBA players and stuff like that, or baseball players, but, uh, football players, like, people don't have the access to them that you have beach volleyball players. Like, Dustin has been walking down the beach seeing some of the best players in the world just out there training. Just training on the beach. Yeah. Everybody can go watch. Yeah, you're not gonna be able to go. Yeah, Nicole Brenna, and you're not gonna be able to go to the Clippers practice facility and just watch them practice. Yeah, right. oh, what are you doing today? Out. Oh no, I'm just just walking in the facility, see how they're good practice. So like those players are used to a little bit more scrutiny. They may not like it, but then players that we have, they're like, yeah, fans get to go to them, but they don't have the press and the media that those other sports get, where you have TV shows dedicated on ESPN to critiquing every body language, every stare that Kobe gives down the bench to Paul Gasol because he hates him. Like, they're critiquing everything about that. These are hanging for five. Yeah, I'm curious how volleyball players would be able to handle that because I don't think they would handle it well right away because they wouldn't be used to it. After a while, you're like, okay. Some it's of people's guys, opinions. They're allowed to have – everybody's allowed to have an opinion. Some of our guys see a little bit of it overseas. For, I'm sure they do. Rich Lamborn, given his coach the finger, got caught on TV. Awesome. Recently? No, this is uh, years ago. Awesome. Years ago. Maybe that's partly because of what uh, Ferb said, which is when you go to abroad as an American player, you're not looked to be just a role player, right? You're expected yeah, they're to be paying the number one. Yeah. yeah. No, Ferb's made a good point about that, that it's good for a young player to have not only the, the pressure of that, but the experience of being out of your element. Because then you come back to the national team, you're like, dude, whatever we do, it's great because people are speaking English. It's organized. I can understand <laughs> all the plans, right? It's a yeah. lot better than riding a bus 12 hours to the southern tip of Italy. With it's all, it's all perspective, right? And yeah. With a, a movie in Italian blaring for ten of those hours, you know, those types of things. But uh, yeah, I, I think that the whatever happens happens with different personalities inside the sport. But we need more talk 
about the sport. Oh, that's what it was. So we're back. We're back. We're back. So USA Volleyball and, and many other entities inside of, of volleyball, I think when something bad happens, some negative publicity happens, they're very quick to try and shove it under the rug. And I don't think that really does you any favors. And you don't need to exploit it. You don't need to, to blow it up and magnify it. But I don't think you can ignore it because the thing that we found out with media today, with the amount of information available, the amount of access available, yeah. to your point, Jeremy, to different sports, people don't – the more people consume, they don't want less. The more you feed them of your sport and analysis of your sport, thought about your sport, the more they want, the more invested they get, the more curious they get. And that has to come warts and all. It can't just be the positive side because people eventually figure out that's not really what's happening in the sport. People want to know what's really happening in the sport. And that is warts and all. It can't just be all rah, rah, look at this, this is awesome, because it's just not how life works. Well, like a former host of the show once said, it's not kittens and candles all the time, guys. I mean, that's that's true, right? Whoever that was. I can't remember. I remember that guy. He was here for about a second. Yeah. But again, like I, I honestly think that when somebody – music is so subjective. And yeah. now people in clubs coming to me, this song sucks. Okay, but everybody else in the club is dancing right now. Or at a Clippers game, like an executive will be like, we should do it this way. We should do it that way. I don't necessarily respect it 100% if you've never done what I've done in your life. Just because you think yeah. you know music doesn't actually – just because you have an iPod in your car and can download music for free – doesn't mean you actually know music or know how to make sure that 19,000 people in the stadium are having a good time. Doesn't aren't mean you, you know how to do that. Aren't you only the lead singer? Don't yeah. you look at that one guy who's not having a good time and make sure and get him off? No. Almost famous again. Yeah, I'm again. with you. Yeah, good try. Yeah, um, Movie, I had no point. I, <laughs> I, I, I disagree with what you're saying, Jeremy, about Having to how have dare been, how dare you about having to have been there to not had to no but it's different when the the whatever you said the general manager or the club owner or whatever comes up and tells you how to do a, a set yeah. or play a gig yeah. versus Kevin or me or even you questioning um, a, a national team coach because they're putting themselves in a position to be critiqued correct but you don't know? you think it's better coming from Kevin oh, than it is coming it's, from me yeah but to still Alan's, yeah to Alan's defense though and to your to your point I like where you're taking that. I've never coached in a national team gym. True. So there's that. I mean, yeah, I haven't done that job. So I am not aware of all of the challenges associated with being a head coach. I think I've got a pretty good handle on it, but I didn't do it. Yeah. But I don't think that you can always point to that, right? Because if that was the case, you would never have anybody new in there. If you were a player, then you'd have to be a coach because you had the experience of being a player. Then you could right. be a coach. And it just it doesn't always work that way. And to the same other side of that being great players don't always make great coaches. That's why I said with Karch being head coach now, we're going to find out what kind of head coach yeah. he is. And so he'll saying, be open to your criticism too. Oh, he's great. Oh, he's great. Well, yeah, Sorry, he's Karch. got a, a history of being a, the best player. Sorry, Karch. And everybody liked him as an assistant. We'll yeah. see. But but being an assistant, being a he's head. incredible. We'll two, give him that. Right? Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Two different things. Well, John Sparab, pretty darn good player in his own right. Obviously not Karch, but as an indoor player. Yeah, he's a good middle, yeah, good, good collegiate middle. middle. Yeah. But he, he's made himself, through his coaching experience, a, a great coach. And we'll see what John Sparrow does with it. Well, he's new to being a national team head coach. He he's said it, assistant. and he said it when he was on the show, too. Like, he's opened himself up to more criticism and, like, his legacy and stuff like that. Like, yeah. if he fails, you know, that's an issue. It's something he's he had to think about. he got two jobs to fail yeah. at. 
yeah. No, it's uh, it's a wait and see. And and for two years with Allen, for two years I waited and said, look, I don't really have a judgment on what's happening here. I think he's behind the eight ball. I think he's learning. I don't think we've really seen yet. We had our player injuries and so on. For two years I held it. The last year when it's at the Olympics is what you're supposed to have been preparing for for four years. Yeah. And leading into the Olympics and the year before with some of the stuff with the setter and some of the stuff with some of the roster selections yeah. and stuff. Hey, I'm an analyst. I'm not a cheerleader. I get paid to have an opinion about what's happening and explain to the viewer what's happening. And I'll say this too. That's like, what I get paid for. Correct. I don't get paid to go, oh, the USA is awesome. That doesn't work in my world. And it's I I don't think either within team sport, it's not it's not just his fault that they didn't do well in the Olympics. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. It's not like, oh, it's just this one guy's fault we didn't do well. No, but the buck stops somewhere. I, I agree 100%. But it's, it's not like golf where it's like Tiger didn't win the tournament. That's his fault because right. he didn't win the tournament. Yeah. You know, right. if I'm siding out like a god, but my partner isn't doing very well, it's not my fault. It's his fault. Yeah, but I've been hearing a lot about this with regards to college basketball, the coaches that leverage certain jobs to get an extension, and then they leave anyway. New Mexico? New Mexico is one of them. With UCLA. 10-year extension, I'm out. Yeah. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways, right? The the coach, Ben Howland, gets fired from UCLA after winning the regular regular season conference championship. He gets fired. Yeah. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on there. He went to three out of four Final Fours. Then another guy from New Mexico agrees to, you know, agrees to, to an extension and then bails. So, it's both ways, right? But um, from to, to put he, in my, he got bought out. He got he, well got fired. He got bought out. Who? Howland. No, he got fired. They're paying him a bunch of money still. Well, well, you can yeah, but he because he's another, under contract. Have another job. I understand, yeah, yeah, but yeah. let's remember the man's getting millions of dollars for not working now. Sorry. Oh, sure, he'll get another job. So is Mike Brown in fact, from the Lakers. Maybe, right. maybe Rutgers. Eleven, I think. Yeah. But uh, um, the one thing I wanted to say about Allen, and I don't know Allen very well, and I'm again not a national team expert, but from the people that I've talked to, I've never really heard, other than Kevin, I've never really heard anybody with a whole lot of opinion either way. And in some ways, that kind of rubs me the wrong way. At least if somebody loves or hates you, you know that they're standing for something and there's a there's a process and there's a, a philosophy. Yeah. And in people that I've spoken to, and I've never talked to Alan, so I don't know, but um, that's what I've gotten is it's just kind of like, eh, and, and and that doesn't, in my experience, uh, doesn't really get you far either way. So hopefully uh, with John Spira, at the very least, there's you know a line in the sand type of thing. Uh, I think you'll find that with John. Yeah. He's got a definite plan. He can enforce it with Hugh. Definite plan, and he enforced it. And Hugh hit a bunch of blowback for two years. Yeah. Let's remember with Hugh, it wasn't all kittens and candles. And will will John be okay with us being critical of him? Will he still call into the show? Will he still be a you know, friend of the show? Yeah, and that's the part that kind of because so, really, that'll be our, our job. We'll have to do that, right? And that's that's the part that kind of irked me. Is like, look, if you don't like my opinion, that's fine. Just tell me so. Yeah, like anything, I'm right. open for dialogue. Like on the message board right now, they're saying you know most sports writers and stuff don't have like sports backgrounds, so why do no, we? No, that's why they write. Correct, <laughs> but English, so like not a lot of English majors. Geeter and I talked about this all the time, and I brought it up to Dustin. Like Geeter was an ABP announcer for 15 years. The first few seasons he was announcing, he probably couldn't make fun of the players the way he did towards the end of his career because they didn't know him. They didn't have yeah. the respect of him. He'd never played on the beach, pro beach volleyball, but he could say basically whatever he wanted because the players understood that he wasn't there to crush them or throw them under the bus. Like, he's there entertaining. He's saying things that, like, when you say when Canyon Seaman is playing and he digs a ball and 
Geter says semen all over the place. That's not something that most people could normally say without there being some blowback, but Geter was able to say that. Some blowback? Sorry. <laughs> but I'd slide that one in there. Yeah, that's a great point. So it's like, for yeah, me, yeah. like maybe being on the show a little bit more, like people would respect my opinion a little bit, a little bit from the show, but like me being critical and you being critical about national team players, like if I was like, oh, Reed sucks, why didn't he hit that ball in bounds? Like that's not going to come, that's not going to get a great response from me as it would more from you because you've been yeah. there. The other thing people have to understand is I come at it with the national team in particular. I am a fan, and I have I have a, a vested interest, I guess, in the in the result, right? Because I want to see that team do well. It all comes back to we actually want what's best for the sport. I want the sport indoor and beach. I want the team. I don't know about beach, but professional to be successful. I want that to happen. That and it frustrates me personally when it doesn't happen, especially when I think it could. If it's one thing if you didn't have talent and you're and you just say oh you know they're doing the best they can they really can't get there yet or whatever, yeah. um, but it's another thing to look at it and go well that was possible and it kind of didn't happen. What are the reasons? And then we delve into the reasons and some of those reasons people aren't going to like. Um, to your point with my my participation in other sports, yeah, where I'm not the expert, where I'm not somebody who has a tremendous history of it. Motocross um, drink. Yeah, supercross. Well, I, I have to tread a little more gently. <laughs> I have some opinions. I've been a fan, but I tread gently. And guys don't know me. I've only been there two years now. Guys don't know me as well as they know my partner who's been there forever. Correct. And guys haven't come up into Supercross where I've always been there. Where he has. Right. There are guys who have been there for 10 years, and now I'm the guy with two years. Gotcha. Well, if you're there for longer, all of a sudden you're the guy with 10 years, and no matter the position of the person, whether they work for the organization or the athlete or what they are, then they're coming in. You've always been there. It's a different relationship, correct, with each one of those individuals. Yeah. And that's you know, with my national team experience, I've been involved with the national team since 1997. At this point, yeah. I said I wasn't going to be a lifer, but it's looking like that. So that's why I think your opinion, you can be more critical about them than I can. And I'm open to talking about it. That's why we do this show. I it's called discussion. It. Let's talk about it. Let's just yeah. call in and tell Kevin he's a hack. And it's sometimes fine. I say it. things just to. Take people off. Of course. Sure. Because that's fun. Like the first third. It's no of the fun show. if we sit here and agree and the chat board is like, oh, yeah, I totally, I'm on board. They're not doing that today. They're definitely, <laughs> definitely not on board with you today. But if you don't win a major championship, if you don't even come close over three and a half years, you go to the Olympic Games, your team catches lightning in a bottle, plays well for five matches or four and a half matches. That's great. You didn't win, so you must not have done a good job. Right. And then you're out. And admittedly, what happened to them is they ran into an Italy team who played their best match of the tournament before or after at that, in that particular juncture, uh-huh. and the USA played the way they had played for the previous four years in that match, not the way they had played for the previous five matches in the Olympics, uh, then that you're out. And that's it. That's the end judgment. And I know you liked those five matches, but that's, that, those five matches that started the Olympic Games, an incredible run, gave them lots to do for that. That was not what we saw for four years. Correct. And with Hugh, we didn't see that for two. We saw a little bit of it come around in, in seven. And then we saw in eight, we saw in the summer, all of a sudden it was really going. They were playing well. And let's not forget, with Hughes' team, they could have been out in the quarterfinals of World League. They're down to Poland. They come back and I win in five. Barely. To, to make to the medal round. They needed help, too. They need something else to happen on the other side, I believe, if my memory serves correct. And then they kind of got over the hump. And when they won that World League, it was like, okay, now we're here we go. Yeah. That, it was the final piece of that puzzle. But you saw the puzzle getting put together. It wasn't a bunch of scattered pieces. I just saw a bunch of scattered pieces for four years. 
I felt that way a little bit though after the Long Beach event last year with the national team when they looked very they were like okay we've made the Olympics we've qualified they play they look like they were you know there they played well in that tournament definitely played well in that tournament remember their opponents but still but they looked was it Japan more as a team than I'd seen before Korea Canada, Canada. Mexico well, Puerto Rico Puerto Rico what I was gonna say though is that John Sparrow when we had him on last week didn't mince words about their goals right their their two top goals are to qualify for the Olympics, which yeah. he says is one that most people look past. They just think we're the USA, we get into the Olympics, which isn't the case. Almost did last year. And the second one is that they win a gold medal in Rio. Right. And because of that, it's a four-year contract. And Ferbs even maybe, I wouldn't say he echoed it because he kind of danced around it, but he did say he's on board for four years. I mean, it's not like a two-year with a two-year option or anything like that. It's four years. It's the goal here the goal. is to win a, uh, a gold medal in Rio. It's not to win the World Cup or the World Championships or the World League or any of those things, nor Seca. It's to qualify for the Olympics, however you do that, and then win, win the Olympics. And that's what makes the Olympics, I think, so attractive as a sports entity. Think about these athletes, not just team guys, right, but individuals. Their entire lives, it all rests on them for four years and then in maybe it's two days, they have to do it or don't do it. Yeah. You either come through or you don't in two days. Even maybe it's a day, some of these guys in some of these and, and women in different uh, disciplines in the Olympics. No doubt. Sports. It is incredible. The national team labors in obscurity could win three world championships, Grand Champions Cup, World Championships, and World Cup. Could win all three, go to the Olympics, lay an egg. Yep. Completely irrelevant. No media attention. Nothing. No well, nothing. Th- from think the about it too. Forward. Like volleyball. Like you have pool play. You could feasibly lose a match, maybe two, and still make it out and still mm-hmm. win the tournament. Yep. Other disciplines. Here's your race. Yeah. Throw this disc. You don't throw it well. You're done. You're one day. You're that's it for you. Run the triathlon. Yeah. Run the marathon. Yep. Yeah. You pull thing. a hammy. Yeah. Somebody on a bicycle runs into you. You're done. And add in the four-year timing, right? You have to yeah. peak as, as an athlete, peaking yeah. at the right time in whatever your sport. Well, thinking about, I think about Jen and April too when they barely missed. Oh wait. Oh wait. They were fairly new partnership. Yeah. They played together for seven years. Our next goal. Okay, we barely missed out on the Olympics this time. Our next goal is to get to the Olympics. Right. And they did, and got a silver medal. Yep. It's there's a lot that has to happen to make that. To, for all that to come together, which I'm yeah. just ripping my headset off. Well, well, well and, and if if it was happening and then it didn't happen, we'd say so on the show. Yep. One and thing they that would never call in again. One thing I want to add, I know before we get out of here, is if play people are out there in Southern California, in the South Bay or LA area, and want to see some of the boys, boys. that are probably going to be the next youth movement, Maricosta High School and Loyola High School playing on Friday night at. Loyola Marymount in the house that Reed built. Um, they don't but even have a team anymore. They don't have a team, but <laughs> but these are, are perennially two of the top uh, high school boys teams in the nation and, and countless professionals and, and international players come from both these programs. So if you're around, check it out Friday night, Loyola Marymount, nice. Loyola High School versus Maricosta. Countless college professionals. I don't know about or college players. I don't know about professionals. How many guys from Maricosta made the national team in the last... Twenty years, no, fifteen years. Maybe not on, maybe not on the indoor side. Miracosta has been pretty good on the beach. Yeah. Who recently? Recently, 
Uh, well, Fanoy, for one. Uh, Holly McPeak. Okay, hold on. It was 1987, uh, 550. Just saying. Just <laughs> guy, has, guy has a gold medal. This is my point, though. Holly also has an Olympic medal. Right. Okay. I, totally. I agree. I'm not, don't I'm make not me disagreeing come, on don't this Don't make point. me come across this table. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing on this point, but this is the Southern California perception as well. I'm standing up for the rest of the country here because there's always that perception that boys volleyball, only Southern California. No, no. I, we've had At, this discussion. When I was before. on the national team, there was like one or two guys. Yeah. No, we've had this discussion before. Yeah. yeah. I'm saying better concentration per per capita in an area because you're saying the re- whole rest of the country versus a tiny little part of Southern California. I would say for collegiate players, yes, unrivaled. Yeah, it's huge. And if you want to go back a few years on the beach as well, but it's, sure. but it's maybe a little and bit. on the national team. I mean, no, no, their high school at a time. Yeah, at a today, time. today, today, but and good, good thing time. probably. Well, growth of the sport, right? Yep, grow the game, Gary. Grow the game. Grow the game. All right. Have we offended enough people today? <laughs> and by we, do you mean you? Just so you know, when we when we go off air, I will be uh, the song I will be playing will be for my Clippers, so everybody can stick around. So we can for offend some more people. Two minutes and thirty three seconds while they listen to the song. As a friend of mine told me, whose wife is now on a reality show, uh, he is discovering that reality is not reality. That his wife is being cast into a certain part. Of being course, who would things? ever think? That it's real. Everyone has their own role. I will wear the black hat. You can wear the bomb This is your hat. role for the show? Yeah. I'm, I'm the cool guy. Dustin is director of awesomeness. I don't really have a role. And Kevin is the offender. The offender. As I alluded to is earlier. Is that even a role? The offender. <laughs> yep. Can't wait for the collage. As I alluded to earlier, I'm just going to keep showing up till I don't show up anymore. Perfect. <laughs> is that anything in, in, like in Cloud Atlas when they have the Inquisitor? Stop bringing up that stupid movie. Watch it. Check it Life out. Life of Pi. It's weird. Tiger mauling. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. Spoiler yeah. alert. Tiger, tiger better maul somebody. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Hungry tiger it's in a, a tiger. boat with a piece of food. It's a tiger. It's what they do. It's a piece of food. It's a tiger. It says it's based on a real story. What real story? Cloudgate. <laughs> the incident known as Cloudgate. <laughs> no, you better sign off quick. I'm playing my song. Oh, my God. All right. All right. Hey, uh, here's to the Atlantic Division Championship <laughs> for Lob City. Atlantic Division? Pacific. Pacific Division. Oh, What's this big body of water out here? Is this the Atlantic? Whoa. All right. The net live's over for another week, but I'm sure we'll get some chatter throughout the week. We'll see you next week with another version. Just bob your head to it. I don't know. Do you have rhythm, Kevin? No. Yeah, I no, dude, I don't have See everybody. Red letter man, live city killing man. Young, young money, young money, yeah, we getting rich. That's grandma at the game. Yeah, girl, you know what it is. Live city clips, live, live city clips. Live city clips, live, live city clips. Live city clips, live, live city clips. CP332 Blake Griff. Live city clips, live, live city clips. Live city clips, live, live city clips. Live city clips, live, live city clips. DeAndre, Bella, and Billipson. I'm a live city star. Look at the jumbotron. Arm in the rim, why go so hard? Young from the streets, used to play on Boulevard. I need the ring pronto. Shout out, Vinny Del Negro. Bledso, Money Mo, Will, Brian Cook, though. About to make a rain on you, get a poncho. Head honcho, got my seat back. Don't let up, get packed. Sold out. 
Yes, pack. Turn going up like gas. God damn, pull out my rags. Mike, Mike Jackson. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm back. Rest to test, test, test it up in my bag. Live city, baby. You know what it is. Live city cliffs, live, live city cliffs. Live city cliffs, live, live city cliffs. Live city cliffs, live, live city cliffs. CP332 Blake Griff. Live city cliffs, live, live city cliffs. Live city cliffs, live, live city cliffs. Live city cliffs, live, live city cliffs. DeAndre, Bella and Billipson. Hey, we gon' win it, win it. Hey, we gon' win it, win it. Gon' win it, win it. Live city clips, live live city clips. Hey, we gon' win it, win it. Hey, we gon' win it, win it. We gon' win it, win it. Live city clips, live live city clips. DJ Dance. 